For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Paperwise this morning, um, 52 weeks yesterday was the 52nd anniversary of uh, Martin Leahy, the Cork-based musician, singing his protest song about the housing crisis, Everyone Should Have a Home Outside Dáil Éireann. I'll be back to that story in, in a few minutes' time, but 52 weeks without fail, he has travelled to Dublin to protest the housing crisis outside Dáil Éireann and has never missed a day. I think that's an incredible achievement. Uh, so many people might start out with the best will in the world to do something like this, but fail to continue with it for all sorts of different reasons. Martin did not. He stuck to his guns, strapped on the guitar, and how he travelled, car, bus, train, whatever, we'll find out. Front page of the Echo today. Meanwhile, it would absolutely break your heart. Certainly on a programme like this, it would break your heart when you hear the amount of people who need help and some form of intervention. A, a lot of the time, it has to do with uh, disability grants that are need, needed for people who need their houses adapted. Even simple things like putting a little railing or a bar outside a front door to help an elderly person to climb up a few steps. It would break your heart, the front of the Echo today, when you see the amount of money that Cork City Council did not use. They were given 1.5 million, to be precise, 1 million 593,000 euro in funding for last year um, uh, under the Disability Persons Grant Scheme. But they only spent, drew down and used just over a million, which means that over half a million in available funding wasn't used. Wouldn't it break your heart? Half a million euro worth of adaptation grants primarily to help older people and people living with disabilities in social housing, uh, not drawn down in Cork City last year. Um, uh, The fact that it was exclusively uh, for social housing is one aspect. I get that because a lot of pensioners live in their own homes, um, but they have very little money to adapt them in any way, shape or form. Anyway, I don't, ha- I don't need to labour the point. You know that that is a disgrace. And then there's a, a lovely story that came to uh, fruition, or at least came to an end yesterday, but not without deeply scarring the family uh, and indeed Colin Geary himself. And it was in the High Court yesterday. The family of a profoundly deaf boy called Colin Geary, Callum, Callum Geary settled their High Court action uh, and uh, spoke about the toll of a decade-long fight for his education. So the things that people have to do to get basic rights for their families and their loved ones. Now, Andrew Geary and his wife Helen campaigned for an in-classroom Irish sign language teacher and an interpreter for their son and have been left deeply scarred um, because of the time it took for the state to, 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 to sort it out on their behalf. And they're saying that the state can't keep doing this to families, families just like theirs. Um, 14-year-old Callum now will start secondary school uh, and he'll have the support of a fully qualified sign language interpreter in the classroom. But the entire case uh, makes this morning's exam run quite some uh, detail. And, you know, if you're, if you're noticing, and well done to that family, incidentally, um, if you're noticing the continued uh, limited industrial action which started two weeks, two weeks ago by SIP2, SIP2 members of the firefighters in uh, Leaside, that is continuing. It's a story that makes the echo today because um, it really is. And, and indeed, the firefighters were telling me on the air that it really is a health and safety issue for so many people, not just in Ballincollig, the fact that the fire station is closed, but for many, many townlands surrounding Ballincollig. So that hasn't been resolved and it rolls on, if you like, a story in the echo today. And then with regards to the cost of living, I don't mean to have the doom and gloom hat this morning, but you're going to, if you have a mortgage, you probably are looking at the seventh mortgage increase since last summer. Uh, But at the same time, I heard the business news this morning 
where it's talking about Irish banks. I think this this the one I heard is probably was probably related to just Bank of Ireland where they talk of booming profits. And I mean insane profit increases, particularly in the last six months at the banks. I, I, I just don't understand it because it just doesn't go hand in hand with what everybody else is suffering with regards to when you hear of mortgage increase, increases and whatever. But I, but I only mention that actually because we often talk about utility companies and those who provide fuel and energy and the massive obscene profits that they make. But there is a story making the front of the star to saying, the star this morning saying, I can't believe it's just butter. Now it's a pun on the spread on the spread ads, you know, the spready ads. Can't believe it's not butter. But they're saying uh, butter butter is... And it's not just butter, to be quite honest with you. There's going to be um, a supermarket uh, butter price war. But also milk, apparently, according to the papers today. Butter uh, and milk. Um, they actually break down a lot of the increases in the papers this morning. Charlie Weston does it in this morning's uh, Irish Independent with regards to the supermarket price war ramping up even further. Um and I don't know whether we're going to see other things dropping as well, like butter and milk. Much of this, of course, is a huge worry to farmers because it's the farmers who are providing the milk and the cows providing the farmers. So their margins will be tightened even worse, I would imagine. But they do look at uh, price increases over the past year. Um, for instance, they look at butter, bread going up 25 cent, tea bags up 18 cent, cheddar cheese up 1 euro 61. I mean, it's insane, isn't it? Spaghetti up 24 cent, uh, full fat milk up 45 cent, eggs 36 cent, butter nearly 70 cent up, uh, and potatoes up a cent. So, the, you know, I mean, you, you wonder why, uh, like, you know, anyway, I won't drill into the reasons why potatoes go up by a cent and butter goes up by 70 cent. But there you have it, it's all over the place. But at least, no, I, I shouldn't say it, but I was going to say at least something's coming down, but it's far from enough. The UK Times this morning actually also talks about takeaway food. And I wonder how relative this might be to Ireland, where they're talking about the increases in takeaway. Say, for instance, fish and chips across the nation uh, is up nearly 20% in the UK. A burger takeaway is up nearly 17 euro, 17 cent in the UK. Uh, they go into things like uh, a kebab up 14%. Uh, to get your pizza delivered is up 13%, apparently. Even a takeaway coffee is up 11%. You know, they break it down. Chinese takeaway, a main course of a Chinese takeaway costs you 10, 10% more than it did a year ago. I'm quite sure it must be the same here. One of the aspects as to why the nurses say that they're completely and utterly burnt out has to do with the cost of living in this country. But there are other aspects where nine out of ten nurses and midwives say work has left them burnt out, has harmed their psychological well-being and also has made them consider leaving their jobs. And this survey is done in the last month um, and we know of many people in the medical professions who have left and gone to the likes of Australia. But the other aspects with regards to why work is just literally slowly killing them. Hospital overcrowding, long working hours, staff shortages, they're some of the main reasons. There is a medical story making the papers today. All of the newspapers have picked up on this. It's a new drug which has been created by Eli Lilly, which will reduce the decline of Alzheimer's by 35%. So that is incredible news. It could well put Alzheimer's and those suffering with it into remission for the very first time ever. So that is incredible, the advancements they're making in medical research and medical pharmaceuticals. Donald Trump, of course, is over in Dunbeg. He flew into Ireland last night. He makes the front 
of this morning's mirror, Trump's stormy damage uh, from one storm to another, I suppose. The reason they're talking about stormy damage is because um, the golf course got hammered by the winds coming in off the Atlantic and it's damaging the greens and what have you. But at the same time, uh, things ain't going so good from down in Dunebeg because the mail says uh, that with all of his business acumen, he still has had um, losses at Dunebeg Hotel which have accumulated to nearly 17 million euro since it was incorporated in 2014. And you got to wonder why, because there's more people than ever traveling to Ireland after COVID again to play golf on good golf courses. So this story regarding this alleged assassination attempt uh, of um, Putin uh, is making all of the papers. The Sun this morning's headline says it's a taste of his drone medicine. And of course, um, the Russians have blamed the Ukrainians uh, for the drone attacks on the Kremlin. But Zelensky's come out and said that they had nothing to do with it. They said, we don't attack Moscow. We fight on our own territory. In fact, many now are suggesting that it was the Russians staged the explosions themselves. You just couldn't make that stuff up. You know a story that's been making the news all week long, and that is whether or not Charlie Bird would get to meet the boss, Bruce Springsteen, playing a few gigs starting soon. Well, he will. And there's a lovely story in The Sun today saying that that dream and that wish will come true. That's one of the ones on Charlie Bird's bucket list. It's a it's a lovely thing to happen. He's something nice to look forward to because uh, Springsteen's a hero of his. And I see Springsteen was visiting a fan. Um, he was visiting, sorry, at least I should say, I put it the other way around, uh, Shane McGowan had a fan visit him yesterday. And that was uh, Bruce Springsteen. Headline story in the Star to say, today says Shane gets a visit from the boss. He dropped in. Um, for a chat and, and a catch up and there's some lovely photographs making the red tops on that one today but the coronation of Charles and Camilla um, is a big talking point these days um, I'll come back to the aspect of RTE in a few minutes time right um, but what interests me first on this is the amount of superstars who have snubbed invitations to perform and they include Adele Ed Sheeran Elton John Spice Girls Robbie Williams and Kylie Minogue. According to the Star this morning, these are the major acts that have snubbed this concert. Now, the concert is the Coronation Concert, and there's over 20,000 spectators expected to turn out for the show. That'll be broadcast on BBC One. Um, but those that will perform include uh, Take That, Katy Perry, Lionel Richie, Paloma Faith, Ollie Murs, and the veteran rock guitarist Steve Winwood. Uh, others that will be there include Tom Jones, Winnie the Pooh, Tom Jones, Tom Cruise, um, and, and others like that. But um, the other aspect of this story is RTE are televising it. Um, the coronation of King Charles III will be televised on RTE1 this coming uh, Saturday from 10 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon. And it says, live coverage from London's Westminster Abbey of the crowning of Britain's King Charles and the Queen Consort. Ray Kennedy presents from Dublin and is joined by guests but the question I would like to pose, because it was asked in the doll there recently, uh, was whether or not our Irish television should be using airspace. Um, and could they not do anything better with the airspace than the coronation of the British king and queen? Or, or maybe I'm just being small-minded or narrow-minded about it. Uh, but I, I, it just it sticks out like a glaring thumb to me. It's on the BBC it's going to be on ITV. It's going to be wall-to-wall sky. We have no skin in the game here. 
that, that, that's what I'm kind of confused by. Like, it would be one thing if it was some big international event that involved Ireland that, you know, you couldn't otherwise see. But Try and defend it for we me, all, can you? We all get the BBC. We we all we all get the BB. You can just watch them the Beeb if you're if you're really that into it. They're going to have much better coverage than RT will anyway. Totally. As opposed to having you know they're totally. going to they're going to be on the they're scene. They're going to blitz it. They're going to be there. They're going to have all the packages. They're going to have all it's the historic be wall stuff. To wall. We just have Ray Kennedy sitting in Donnybrook. But hi, but historically, is it something that we should be? Okay, we can acknowledge it and say okay, delighted for you, congratulations. But. This is the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, I mean they're not even in the European Union anymore. So if anything, they're less, they're political or whatever. They're maybe not political, but their uh, magistral, you know, goings on is even less important. See, the survey to us than recently before. they talked about fifty-eight percent of thirty-four-year-olds and unders in the UK don't want a monarchy anyway. Do you think it's just cheap TV? Because like, RT, RT aren't providing any of the feed. That's an, it's an international feed, and you know. I mean, are maybe they're, maybe they're known for cost cutting, but I just wonder—is it just cheap TV for them? I I don't remember. Do do did the Biden ceremony, Obama's ceremony in the US was that shown? It might have been a time difference aspect there. I don't know. I can't remember those. But but this is a, okay. It's an iconic thing for people in the UK, and no disrespect to them, but for us, we have we have kind of different memories of monarchy yeah. But like we've, our, I mean, there's so Jay Machine. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like we've always had some sort of an affection with our close neighbours like I know growing up my my grandmother would have watched the Queen's speech for instance at three o'clock on 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 the Christmas day and then she'd uh, she'd be grand after that but she was no way a a monarchist but like she just liked to see what was happening a bit of nosiness but then you also have the what's the BBC why why is it that's why that's what I can't understand about it but like they're, they're Maybe is it something to do regarding the the north and 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 trying to keep that and on then track? Then BBC Northern Ireland. Yeah. Would <laughs> exactly. Anyway, let's 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 get the people's and opinion the, on this. But one. if you look, there, I, I he's just also going to speak Irish. This, there's going to be a, uh, an Irish. Uh, uh, yeah, people speak spoken. Irish in Northern Ireland. Well, it's going to be spoken at the investiture. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, but is that, that is that enough to warrant four hours of broadcasting on our national state television? I don't. I mean, if you look at the RT two listings for tonight, they're not exactly. Uh, RT two is just a channel of reruns, rich underground jam of original content. So maybe okay. it's just original live or well, live content that they can that they can push on us out. Okay, your thoughts are welcome on that, guys. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, the reason I mention it also is because Paul Murphy and Richard Boyd Barrett from People Be for-profit solidarity both raise the concerns that the national broadcaster is going to devote four hours television coverage to the coronation of a British king. So your thoughts please. Text 0868104106. Other events that are going to be happening of course are the Eurovision and Graham Norton is saying that Ireland's entry by the band Wild Youth could be the dark horses of the Eurovision. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, and I love this story actually from a West Cork dental team at Bandon Dental. They're warning about Prosecco teeth. What are they? Well, apparently the damage that can be done to your teeth, your enamel and your gums by literally consuming way too much sugar. And they break it down when they talk about alcohol, um, carbonated drinks, obviously sweets and things like that, but primarily they're honing in on Prosecco, who is, which is incredibly acidic, much more so than white wines. In fact, 200 times as acidic as what is required to break down tooth enamel. Um, so even consuming one glass of Prosecco is putting your teeth at risk. So how do you feel about that if you're a Prosecco drinker? particularly if you enjoy, enjoy sipping it in the fine weather. Um, if you want to live longer, here are some tips 
and ways of doing so. According to research out this morning, you will live longer by 20 years if you don't finish your dinner. But who'd want to do that, particularly if you're enjoying it? You could have 20 miserable extra years. Uh, don't finish your dinner 20 years. Have children three years. <laughs> would have thought that they'd take years off you. <laughs> Read a book and you'll increase your living on the planet by two years. Floss your teeth six years. Ah, come on. Give me a break, will you? Um, only drink with meals ten years. Then And then only a half a glass of red wine, I suppose. Um, but the one that I love, because I'm a huge fan is beans on toast, particularly if you can add grilled cheese. It will add 10 years to your life. 10 years. Beans on toast for lunch today and every day. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Okay, we'll come back to lots of different calls and comments and emails throughout the course of the morning, picking up on a lot of what we were doing yesterday. But I want to go back to the front page story, making the echo today. One year on, 52 weeks in a row, Martin Leahy has been protesting outside Dáil Éireann and he sings this song. And make them richer. They see property as opportunity, a business that'll make a sickness sicker. If they build too many houses, it'll drive down the price. It's just cold economics to them. So there's no way to address it, cause it's not in their interest. We've seen it over time and time again. Everyone should have a home. Everyone should have a home in this world, in this life. It's a basic human right to have a dignified place you call your own Everyone should have a home Everyone should have a home Safe and warm where you belong Everyone should have a home Housing developers that are hung up on greed And hungry vultures swooping from the sky Crucifying rents that are on the increase Shamefully they bleed the people dry All the vacant properties we can see them in our towns Sign the papers and take down the boards A home not a hotel, a home not a hostel A home not a camera box on the side of the road Everyone should have a home Everyone should have a home In this world, in this life It's a basic human right to have a dignified place you call your own Everyone should have a home Everyone should have a home Safe and warm where you belong Everyone should have a home We've got landlords and government who vote and legislate In favour of investments they control Our leaders they facilitate and then wave away The emergency created at their door the money finds get picture and the poor just fade Into hovels and holes they can't afford Dystopian evictions, ruthless repossessions A wealthy country's people and a strangled hole Everyone should have a home Everyone should have a home In this world, in this life It's a basic human right to have a dignified place you call your own Everyone should have a home Everyone should have a home Safe and warm where you belong Everyone should have a home Safe and warm where you belong 
Okay, it's got a really kick-ass message, but the song itself is incredible. It's a powerful, powerful tune. Martin joins me by phone. Morning, pal. How are you? Hey, Neil. How's it going? 52 weeks, and you'll mark that anniversary today. Um, was that something you set out to do every single week to get to a year? Uh, or are you, and are you going to continue? Yeah, um, it wasn't something I set out to do. I, I had no plan. I was just going from week to week, and it, it always felt worthwhile, and it always felt like it was having an impact, you know. And so, yeah, I, I, I think I'll just... All of a sudden, then it's a year without even noticing it, you know. And... So I'll continue to do it, yeah. Just to, just curious, how do you travel up and down? Um, I'm on the bus now, air coach, so I get the 9 o'clock up. And I'm up for about 12, I do the protest between 1 and 2, and I get the 3 o'clock um, down, and I'm back for 6. That's an amazing commitment, Martin. And I know, I know I spoke to you about this some time ago. The song was yeah. written, and the whole thing is close to your heart, because your landlord was selling up, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, a very common story. So I had an eviction notice looming, which is, it's still looming. It hasn't kicked in yet. But um, yeah, the, the landlord is selling the property. And it's basically when I went out into the market, um, you know, I live in a, in the country in a rural area. And I I always, I, I had heard of the housing crisis and I was aware of it, but I didn't think that it would affect, you know, if you were living kind of in the middle of nowhere, you know, I thought I'd always be able to find a place to rent. But uh, it just was very obvious very quickly that I couldn't do that anymore. Mm. So, yeah, mm. so mm. that's why I kind of, that's why I responded to it in that way, yeah. What, even the Joe Biden visit to the doll on one particular day didn't scupper your plan. You you just moved slightly, in fairness to you, to another location. Isn't that right? There was a, probably a massive security presence on that particular day, was there? Yeah, it was weird because I kind of presumed that I wouldn't get near the doll, you know, but I said, I'll go to the nearest railing and just do my protest there. But I actually got uh, very close, like um, about halfway up Molesworth Street, which is the street that looks at Dahl. So I got I, I got about halfway up there. Um, Frank O'Connor uh, from Derelict Ireland came up that day and Margaret O'Regan um, came up that day with me. And it was uh, when I was singing it, there was no, nobody around. There was a big guard presence, all right, but there was no nobody around and no traffic. So the the song was kind of echoing around the place and it was very eerie and it felt kind of powerful that day as well. I'd say that was a very, very powerful experience, you know. Um, for, for for one reason is that, you know, you would think that they would want to sanitise everything around the doll so that Biden wouldn't see that we have a homeless crisis. Um, a lovely article regarding you from Donald O'Keefe in The Echo today where you remind us of the 12,000 people who are homeless and the shame on our government. That's not the kind of thing they'd want international politicians to see, Right. Yeah, and there was reports of tents being removed from around Phoenix Park and stuff. Um, I guess um, in terms of Joe Biden, um, I guess I, I, w- I wouldn't have been visible to him yeah. or, or, or anybody anybody around him. But um, I suppose it was it's you know it has become a symbolic statement to go up and do it. So I just wanted to mark it as another week. You know. Okay, and and tell us a little bit about the reaction you get from the public in general, and indeed our politicians. Yeah, well, it's been very kind of um, enlightening and kind of, you know, it, it feels kind of powerful because, you know, you have people coming up and telling their stories about their um, homeless situations or people they know who are in homelessness. And, um, yeah, the politicians are engaged with me, but they're all... No Sorry, I, ju- I just missed that. Do you say they do or they don't? 
and there's a lot of politicians do engage with me, but they're all from um, opposition parties. So I, I haven't had engagement from anybody who, who is in power, you know. Yeah, but do, um, do they so. do they drive in and out or does the likes of Michal Martin or Simon Coveney and Michael McGrath, do they walk in and out or, or what? Um, I, I've seen Simon Coveney, all right, but um, I'm I'm told that they, they use, they use uh, another entrance. They mainly use another entrance at the back. But um, I guess it's, you know, like... Uh, I guess it's the symbolic kind of thing of doing this, you know. Well, well I know than, that, and I don't mean to labour the point, but in the in the in the in the course of a whole year, did any senior Cork politician approach you to chat or wish you well? Or no, anything? nobody. Which which uh, which I I. I I find very disappointing. Of course, all the people in opposition um, have engaged with me, like all the people from the major parties, um, Richard Boyd Barris, Ona Bryn, Mick Barry, um, Holly Cairns, you know, they've all been very supportive and engaged and stuff. But yeah, no, I haven't had any engagement. And what does that tell you, that they don't acknowledge that there's a problem or they're embarrassed or mortified or, or what? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've spent a lot of time thinking about it, but uh, I I think I think you're right there in... in in, in what you say about embarrassment, that's what it feels like. You know, it feels like, um, uh, or yeah, it feels like uh, just uh, ignore something, which is also kind of representative of mm. how they're dealing with the housing crisis. Yeah, totally and know. utterly. Yeah, catastrophically yeah, yeah. dealing with the housing crisis. So today you're marking that anniversary, the one year, I believe, are you? I am, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have a few speakers, and I'm going to sing the song, and there's going to be a poet, and Nuala Leonard is going to say. Um, um, recite some poetry and yeah so we're going to have a, a good few speakers there and yeah um, it's just a market I suppose it's like um, and one of the many kind of depressing markers that, uh, that we're experiencing you know like the new figures come out and we had the report there from DePaul a few weeks ago about women um, having to give their children to relatives because they, they need to enter emergency accommodation it's shocking. so you have these these kind of milestones, these markers constantly, and uh, I don't know, have, have, like, are people immune to it or what? But it's, uh, it, it just feels to me like it's, um, yeah, like this, that this this marker of a year is, you know, it doesn't really feel like a sense of accomplishment. I was going to ask you that it is an achievement, but has it been worth it? Has it made a difference? I think it has. I mean, it, it's like um, I'm a small voice, like you know, and I'm I'm just adding to all the voices that are kind of um, calling this out or trying to shine a light on it and but I have I, I do think it has it has made a difference like I've always believed in in protest songs you know I grew up listening my heroes are Woody Guthrie Christy Moore Bob Dylan Sinead O'Connor you know mm. and so I've always kind of believed in the power of protest songs and I feel it has I mean there was um, a few weeks ago there there was kind of um, ructions in the doll I think it was the day of the uh, the motion of no confidence in the government and they were obviously debating the housing crisis hugely but there's a lot of shouting going on and stuff so Michal Lehan the political correspondent with um, RTE um, did a report at the end of the day and at the end of it he quoted um, the lyrics of my song and he was saying that you know our our, our ministers and DDs are going to have to hear this song you know being sung every week well so done I, I, I was going like that's, that is impactful you it know, is for, it is you it know is. yeah, yeah. This does not have an expiry date for you, does it? You will continue, or what's the plan? I, I, I as I say, I, I suppose I don't have a plan. I just keep going from week to week, and it always feels like that. I feel like I need to do it, and every time I'm on the bus on the way home, 
it always feels worthwhile. You know, it, it's, you just feel so powerless and helpless kind of reading these articles and these statistics. And at least I feel like, well, I've done something. I've done, I've done something again this week. Uh, you know, um, make my voice heard. Or you know. well done, well done. Yeah. I'm in awe of your commitment, and I'm sure everybody listening is as well. Martin, it's Thanks good. So to, it's good to catch up, my man. Good luck today, yeah. marking the one year anniversary. Have a great gig. Mind yourself. All the best, yeah. All right. Thanks, mate. Bye. Super guy, Martin Leahy. Loveliest, loveliest guy. Must get him back in studio one of these days to play a few tunes because he's got an incredible back catalogue. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. We're back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Phone lines are open. Ray joins me. Ray, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are things? I'm good. Now, firstly, you are um, a compadre of Martin Leahy. You're a pal of his and you support what he does, right? But you were saying there that in the text that you said that he found it difficult to get airplay for the song. Is that right? Well, basically, the text was sent was that they said actually we were on the coronation there uh, across the way. And um, you said, oh, you spending four hours, you know, devoting time to it. But I, the text, the original text was that it made more, makes more sense if RT got the cameras of Montrose. I'm fellow Martin's protest, but we know nothing what to happen. But on the second point, yes, the song. When the song Bridges came out, Neil, um, it was hard to find, um, let's say, stations and outlets that, that would play the song, you know, because they felt it was too political. I mean, it's a protest song. What, what did they expect, you know? I mean, the song isn't that radical in its words. In fact, it's not radical enough, you know what I mean? Did you, did you, was the song distributed to all of the commercial stations? It was sent stations? out, it, it was, Neil, it was sent out to a lot of, um, uh, different radio outlets and such and such and such, and um, a lot of it, a lot of stations mean uh, wouldn't touch it because it was too much of us what we call a hot potato, you know. Good God, that's so disappointing uh, to hear. Well, and that's the point, and that's the point. Martin wouldn't raise because Martin, like Martin's a great guy, and before we go any further, I mean, um, it's a great achievement for Martin personally uh, for what he's doing. You know, he's he's a great guy, a quite humble guy, and uh, I get the pleasure that I call him a friend. You know, because um, when. When, they, when 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 Martin was made, they broke the mold. You know, he's totally, a he's yeah. a complete inspiration. You know, yeah, yeah. And I'm very disappointed with radio stations who refuse to play it. They they sometimes use the analogy that the song may not be radio friendly, but this is a radio friendly song. It ticks all of the boxes of production and tune and melody and chorus. I don't understand. I'm involved in music for the last 35 years, and if if that's on a radio song, well then. I'm only five foot five, but I mean definitely six foot. If that's on a radio-friendly song, I'm six foot five. No, it, uh, there's you know no I mean? issue with it in that regard. The, the, sometimes the rule of thumb is that the song needs to be a max three minutes, three minutes, five seconds. Yes, yes. This is two. Yes. This is two minutes fifty-three. Another box. Ticked. Yes, and and those are the guidelines that Martin and his team work, worked along in production to get it to get it played. You know, what I mean, you would have think the thought needed would ticked all the boxes, but again, oh, it's man. a joke when you think about it. We stand back and look at it. We forever applaud um, and say activists around the world for the radical stance and standing up for something, okay? Be it by song, book, or literature, or whatever. And yet here we, we here we have one of our own and these side doing the exact same thing. And yet, you know, maybe rocking the boat is a term that we would we would use, you know. And like I'm fair about to Martin. What Martin didn't say, Martin gives his time to a lot of different organisations, raise the roof, the cost of different coalition, always puts the time in behind the scenes to turn up with his guitar and play in rain or wind, whatever. He's always there, always, you know, yeah. giving his time to other causes and fair play to him. And he, he does it without any recognition because I know that's for a fact. He's a very quiet chap. Um, 
you know, 100% great guy. Yes, you know? he is. And that's, you, that's, we, that's why there's a core group backing him because he deserves to be backed and, yeah. and to be heard, quite honestly. Yeah, you know? they did break the mold, all right, when he was when he was born, Absolutely. for sure they did. So, um, are you travelling today? Will you be part of no, that? No, unfortunately, I can't, I can't make it, but um, would love to be up there. But um, he's he's in great company, let's put it that because I know a lot of people travelling with him and um, I had a local activist back in Martin through the year and, like I said, no, he's in great company and he, did, he deserves every accolade he can get in Dublin because there is going to be a lot of groups in Dublin to meet him and I hope Lee, like I mean the bigger picture, bigger, uh, picture here is that you can imagine on the 6-1 news later on I wonder Neil will they actually show the, the Martin protest today in Dublin do you know kind of a way yeah it, it, it would, it would surprise me if so, they did but it is a big news story and it says that somebody travels every single week without missing a single week through all sorts of weather to sing a song outside the doll I mean it should be picked up by news channels for sure. It should be, and and we were saying that we're because we're, we're well aware of you know we say we're up in the boards you know obviously it doesn't suit some people to have a protest or signal outside the gates of the Doyle protest against you know house and eviction. But that censorship then that censorship you need to well, report comes, the news. Of course it is, but see, yes, and you're spot on, which which ties well to what you said earlier about should RTE be going across the water. Well, should they? The should, should we have four hours of the coronation in your opinion? Well, like I say, I'm not in the business need of telling their organisation how to run their business, but that's for us up to Montrose to say. But what I'm saying, it would take nothing to send a team down to Kildare Street this afternoon and film yeah. Marin and then show it on the news. But let's watch the space of interest because I personally think that they won't show it because let's watch it's this too much space. of a hot potato. Let's watch and you this just mentioned space. the word censorship, but sure, if they don't show it, me, sure, isn't that a complete form of censorship? Well, it, 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 all, all, all too often the accusation is that they're hand in glove and the puppet broadcaster for the for the for the government and the politicians in power, and that should not be the way. But you see, the problem for RTE is they have to be very careful that they don't bite the hand that feeds them. You see, that's the big ticket issue. You know, <laughs> well, yes, but like at the end of the day, when they're asking people for a broadcasting license to pay the fees, and which people do, and that's their own judgment if they do or not. But surely then, when it comes to stories like of interest, of a national interest and a local interest and national. I mean, RD are there to represent every, all the citizens of the Republic. Yeah. So therefore, it's, isn't it logical then that you have people in Cork who would know Martin and say, I would love to see, you know. Now, we'll obviously be, it'll be on online on all the different platforms, but that's not, that's not the issue. Let's, let's see later on, will it be shown? And if it's not shown then, Neil, well, there's your answer straight away. True enough. Let's you know watch I mean? it. Let's but, watch and it. Have you, while I have you in air time, because we also have a campaign with Martin Song that we're, we, we're looking for poets, um, musicians and different artists to all different platforms to go online and record themselves uh, singing just the chorus of Martin's song to push the song um, to the you know, to the greater public because as you said it's a year anniversary and it'd be great if more people jumped on board just to keep the thing as okay. we say, uh, wait, hot can, and live. You can know? you send me a paragraph on that that I can belt out on air to explain how I people can do what that? I do. I'll bang you in the email and I'll give, you, I'll, I'll give you all the details of it. And I'll jump on it you know? then. Okay, right. Thanks, pal. Look after yourself. Mate, thank you very Cheers. Much. All Thanks the best. Fair play to you. Frick, should RTE be showing four hours of the coronation of Charles and Camilla on Saturday? Not a whole like yes. Okay. So, you know what I mean? We, uh, do you want to show a cock match, a cock in Tipperary, Neil? And they want to bring over the show piece of him then being the coronation, the king. They, they forget like that he was in charge of the paratroopers when Bloody Sunday occurred, Neil. Which Bobby Sands anniversary is actually tomorrow. Forty two years. Will that be marked, I wonder, in any way, shape or form? 
not by RTN, yeah. Yeah. I just see here a text from Mary. It says, I'll be watching the coronation. I'm looking forward to it. It's more entertaining than listening to all of the moaning minis that we have to listen to relentlessly on every radio channel recently. Uh, are there any happy people left out there? I'm looking forward to it, she says. Yeah, I need. I don't know who anyone can. Maybe, 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 maybe each to their own. Maybe I certainly won't be watching it. I hunger strike flag up outside me door, I know. And I certainly want to be butchers here and hanging out there. Fair play. What, tell me about the hunger strikers flag. What is the emblem? It's the hate block, Neil. There's actually a big hate. It's a black flag with a big hate on it. Right. And, and have you put that, have you been putting that out for years? I have, I have. I put my tricolour out as well, coming up to Easter, and then I put the hunger strike in after that. Thing. And if we go so back years that, I, ago, did you ever get any grief for that? No, I'm not down in my place. If I got grief there, I'd be in right trouble. You would be in passages. Is that what you're saying? A passage you wouldn't desert? No, well, uh, well, Neil, as I said to you before, that is Republicans are somewhere like, but I mean, no. Well, I put up my flags, and no one ever taught me to take it on or anything, you know? And there won't be, I don't know. Yeah. what I mean? I put up what I feel like... No, I just remember years ago... No, no, and absolutely you should hold on. And let's not forget our past. Um, but yeah. I know that years and years ago, there used to be special branch and people with long lenses used to be filming and giving a bit of harassment to people who be marking Republican events out at um, St. Finbar's, for instance. Yeah, well, there were not But I, I went to Caragalline years ago for Tony Helms' anniversary, you know what I mean? And that's gone back now to the... Tony was killed in 73, as far as I know from Carrigaline when Mayfield Lurridge and down McCrowley were killed within a few days of each other, you know. Mm. So we were out there, like, but the branch was being over the wall with the cameras and that, you know. Didn't put, didn't put in or out with you. It didn't bother you guys, did it, no? No, it wouldn't bother you, Neil. Like, you go out and they, you know, you, your feelings, you do what you feel is right and they do what they feel is right, which we think would be wrong, you know. They'd harass you, all right, like, but, you know, what if you anyone that dealt with the bench didn't know they harass people, eh? Yeah, yeah, that was back in the day. So, it was but no, Neil, and it, 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 sorry, not a pint that they were on about in identity there, they did about flags and that, you know. I know James was saying about uh, Mitchell's, anyone connected to John Mitchell's thing, like over being slavery. But you know, when they banned the Republican flags, remember them rebel flags, as yes. you call them? Yeah. Yeah, like, I think we, like, as you said, I said on Facebook, we, we lost their identity that matches, like, with the rebel flag, like, and as he said, like, people wouldn't, they like, say, no, they believe in slavery and that, you know what I mean? Would they be good to so a you rebel? can't bring but, one of those flags in anymore? No, you can't, you can't. Now, I need no, by next, no, they'll be singing Flip Nerland's call down in the park, that be the end of Ireland. Right, what would happen if somebody tried to get a rebel flag in? It would just be taken off. I don't them. know, I, I, I might try it someday. Just for a crack. All right, my man. Okay. Cheers, Rick. Thanks very much. Take care, brother. Take care. Text 0868-104-106. You talk about people who um, also, talking about money not spent by local government and what have you. Uh, My father is eight years old, received a letter from the Department of Social Protection yesterday. This was a letter to be filled out by my father requiring his PPS number. They should have all of that stuff. His PPS number, the PPS number of anyone who lives with him and also his MPRN number for his electricity supplier. You see, they wanted to know if there was any increase in his income and where his income comes from. This is to see if he's entitled to his household benefits, which are €35 per month. 
I rang the department on his behalf and the person I was speaking with told me that they're now reviewing all old age pensioners' income to see if they're still entitled to the benefits they are receiving. Good God, it feels like they're taking or they are it feels like they're taking from our own people and the people who actually built this country and economy and happy to give it to everyone else. Don't give out my details or my father's details. He's very private, but thank you for your great show. You're absolutely right um, to be annoyed and very angry about it. Um, Who in their right mind could even suggest that a pensioner's income would go up? Like all of a sudden the pensioner who's getting on in age has decided to go back to work or something, is it? Um, I tell you one thing that has happened with pensioner's income. It's gone down like everybody else's because of the cost of living has gone through the roof. And you have, all, you have older people and pensioners who are at home quite a lot of the time who spend an awful lot more on heat and light. So how could they even begin to suggest that it's a good exercise to go check and to see if their income has gone up? It makes absolutely no sense. Text 0868104106 back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. One quick bit of help, lads. If anybody's out in Bishopstown, Mary lives alone in an apartment and she's getting new flooring put down soon. Her sons all live in Australia. She's alone. She lives alone. She has nobody to help her. She needs to dismantle a five-foot bed and a wardrobe before the flooring comes in. But she can't do it, obviously. She's wondering, is there anyone in the Bishopstown area who might be able to give her a hand. Now I have her mobile and her details here. If anybody's handy in that regard, I might have a few minutes to go and help her to dismantle the bed and the wardrobe. Can you get in touch with me if you think you can help? Text 0868104106 and we'll hook you up. That bad crash at Dunkettle yesterday uh, prompted a lot of discussion text-wise with me. Uh, John said with regards to the story in the tunnel and the roundabout at Dunkettle, why not have colour code layouts? For example, the green lane Green road markings, say for the airport, yellow for the city, blue for Toker and so on, says John Wallace. I don't know, would that make it even more confusing, John? I wonder what people would think about that. That accident you described was very bad, but please let people know, coming into the tunnel on the opposite side, that they should stop looking um, because that is another accident waiting to happen when people come across a big crash. Hope people are okay, but there were a lot of responders around when I passed. Morning, just back from Cork, back here living in the UK. I have noticed a big problem in Ireland, and it's tailgating. It's madness over there. Uh, I have been sent some videos, actually, of crashes on Side this morning, where tailgating would be the reason why you'd have six or seven cars crashing into the backs of each other. One car, a relatively small car, is literally halved in size because it is crushed from behind by a big Arctic. So not enough distance between cars and trucks. Can't come on air at the moment, but a word of caution. I did notice between Kinsale Roundabout and the tunnel that there's an awful lot of trucks travelling these days and the speed that they're going at is very dangerous. On that stage of my journey, it looked like they were racing each other. The traffic should be alerted about this behaviour because there could well be a serious accident we need more traffic core on that particular area to slow them down. Are there are there limiters on big trucks and, and Arctics? Um, I, I often wonder about that because I do see an awful lot of them travelling. If it's 100 kilometres, they can do 100 kilometres. Um, and I don't know whether that's... I, I don't know whether... Actually, I don't even know whether it's legal or illegal or whether there should be a, a limiter on them. But sometimes you see these huge, big trucks and Arctics travelling at what looks like speed way too fast for the size and the bulk of them. But... Uh, then again, I suppose they're, I would imagine, 
uh, very trained drivers. Um, just a few then on yesterday's programme regarding Allah um, from Ukraine, who was complaining about the food uh, at the old Imperial Hotel in Yall. Massive response to that. And I have to say, unfortunately, for those who think uh, that uh, I only pick and choose the negative, I do not. But the vast majority are quite negative. Uh, and here's a selection just this side of 10 o'clock. All these people coming into our country are not poor in the first place, certainly not compared to me. I couldn't afford to go to their countries. I couldn't even afford the flight. Well, nor, nor did they have to pay for that, really. You know, I mean, I think maybe some came by uh, assistance with the Red Cross. But, um, you know, what would you be suggesting that when somebody comes from a war-torn country that they dig into their savings? Maybe. I'm struggling to paying my mortgage uh, and another one, it went up another 100 euro uh, yesterday. Yet another letter I dread and it stressed me out. Both me and my husband work full time, work extra hours just to pay for food. I would love to be picky like Ukrainian war refugees, but I don't have that choice. I'm stressed, entitled to nothing. I get no family supplement because my husband does overtime to pay the bills. The kids have zero activities. We cannot afford them. In fact, we can't afford this country. It's a joke. So yesterday, you got a letter from your bank saying that your mortgage repayments will go up by €100 euro a month. It's absolutely insane. Right, I'll come back to those promise after 10, but I just need a fast call because otherwise I'll lose them. James, good morning. Hello, Neil. Okay, you want to pick up there on somebody talking about the speed of trucks in Arctic, is it? Yeah, yeah, I'm driving them there at the moment. That That is total bull, because they have speed limiters, they won't go over 90 kilometres, but I tell you what the problem is, is people passing out trucks just to get in front of them and pulling in them straight away, you know, that's what the problem is. Well, why is that a problem? It leads to Arctics and trucks having to break, is it? Yeah, even on, it don't have to be a dual carriageway, it can be just an ordinary national road. They come fly up past you, cutting in front of you, and they're going nowhere because they're caught behind something else. It's just the desperation I mean, to get ahead of the big the big truck yeah, or the Arctic. Exactly, and then you come into a roundabout or a set of traffic lights, and they're the Arctic. They're there they again. Yeah, they're getting yeah. nowhere by it. Saw it yesterday with a character in a souped-up BMW, exactly the same, coming up the keys there, and I was saying to myself, "Guaranteed, I'll meet him at the traffic lights." And there he was, sitting yeah. there doing nothing. And there he was, yeah. Like, I mean, the trucks are only people, men and women out doing a day as well. And work, very you know trained I mean? drivers, I don't dispute that. But are you absolutely sure that they have limiters at 90 kilometres? Well, Neil, I'm working and driving Arctic since I was 23, 24. Yeah. I'm 58 now, you know yeah. what I mean? I yeah. know that. I'm driving them at the moment as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, so, like, so, so, so they, I, they I, imag- I imagine that if, 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 I, if I had them passing and me doing 100. Well, buses and coaches are limited to 100. Trucks are a bit lower than that. They're probably about 90, 92 kind of thing. And know? that's as fast as they can go? Well, unless you're coming down a very steep hill with <laughs> a heavy load and push you on a bit. You true, know true, I mean? true, 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 true. Okay. Other than that, like, you, you come to your limit and that's as far as you'll go. All right, Pat. Thanks for the clarification, James. Safe driving. Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. Okay, here's the deal. We'll do uh, some texts and then some calls. But just ahead of that, it's day four of our giveaways in association with Soundstore. Uh, and they, of course, are at Sarsfields Road, 
uh, Blackpool Shopping Centre and now open in Market Green in Middleton. We have 200 euro gift cards to give away every day. And tomorrow, another gift card plus uh, a robotic lawnmower, a Gardena Celino Minimo. It will do all of the work for you. Perfect lawns, very easy to set up and use. Works in all weather conditions, very silent, does big, small, medium-sized lawns, whatever the story is. You can have a look at them yourself at soundstore.ie. So, it's robotic, right? And that's why we're dealing with uh, robots. A clip from a movie every day uh, that contains a famous robotic character. And it's an interesting day to be talking about that because today being May 4th, it is... May the 4th day. So may the 4th be with you, is what people who are uh, big uh, Star Wars fans stay today, say today, because it's uh, sci-fi fans' um, special day around the world, marking May the 4th, four decades on from the original release of Star Wars. So today is a Star Wars day, and if you're a Star Wars fan or even a Trekkie fan, enjoy the day. May the 4th be with you. So originally a 1978 radio comedy broadcast This is a feature film that's been adapted into all sorts of different formats. I'll say no more than that. It's just a little hint for you. Don't call just yet, though. I'll play it a few times and then open the phone lines at 10 minutes to midday. A 200 euro gift card. But you need to identify the robot and indeed identify the film. Life. Don't talk to me about life. Any idea what that is? Life. Don't talk to me about life. Sounds like Alan Rickman to me, but maybe that's another day. I'll play it again a couple of times between now and midday today. Now, with regards to the coronation being broadcast on RTE this weekend, four hours of it, uh, they can shove it up their behind. And that's the sanitised version of what John said. You know, Neil, I have to remind you that not everybody can get the BBC. Historically, RTE has shown the royal weddings and everything like it. Um, yeah, I suppose to some extent I do recall the Charles and, and uh, Diana uh, wedding at the time. There was a big, huge fanfare. Uh, but other texts say, United Ireland is coming very soon. We need to facilitate those on this island who believe in this stuff. I don't. I have no interest in the King of England or his ilk, nor will I be watching it. But in this new Ireland, let's help to include those, include those who do. Uh, well, I think the only the only conceivable reason I could think of that you would broadcast it in the first place is if people can't get BBC or ITV or Sky or Channel 4 and all the others that'd be running it. Uh, the only thing I watch on that crap television station is Kin. Other than that, it's the worst station ever. Uh, I'm not a monarchist, but I'm interested in watching the coronation on Saturday just out of sheer nosiness and curiosity. I can guarantee that plenty more will watch it on RTE even if they won't admit that they'll be watching it. I don't have the BBC, so not everyone has the English channels either. Yes, RTE, to answer your question, did show the inauguration of Biden and Obama. There will be Irish reps there on Saturday, and I want to see it. So personally, I'm fine with it being on RTE. Quite an amount of people also raising the flag that Sinn Féin will be represented at the coronation as well. Uh, probably Michelle O'Neill, north of the border. I think it will be women, Neil, that will watch the coronation to see the style and to see if Harry actually turns up and the furore of Meghan not being there and Kate's youngest son causing havoc. <laughs> It'll be great crack, pomp and rubbish, says Anne. I love that text. Thank you for it. I think that people also will be watching to see who's there, you know, all of the rich and the famous and the you know people from the music business and actors and people like that. 
and the fashion as well. RTE is a joke. They will show four hours of the coronation, and I'm not talking about Coronation Street, but the licensed pairs won't be able to watch the Cork Tip Munster Hurling Championships match on the same evening unless they access the GAA Go streaming platform and pay extra for the game. Disgrace. Yes, indeed. I suppose when you put it like that with regards to such a big, important game, I have to agree with you where you say that. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. Just on the topic of the coronation of King Charles on Saturday on RTE, that's a shocking decision. How can they justify playing that when there's live GAA over the weekend that will never be shown? The only way to watch it is by paying for it. RTE should be ashamed of them, says Danny. And the one final one for now, uh, Mary says, I'll be watching the coronation. I'm looking forward to it. It's more entertaining than listening. Oh, that's, I read that earlier, the moaning minis that are on your radio programme relentlessly. (laughs) All I can say to that is thanks for listening all the same, Mary. Do appreciate it. Text 0868104106. And so from yesterday, where people got quite passionate with regards to the topic of conversation we were discussing. And I will come back to lots more texts. It all started with Ella um, here as a Ukraine war refugee complaining about the food. I was quite sympathetic to her when she was telling her story. Um, and in fairness, it's not an easy thing for somebody with limited English to come on a radio station and try and get their points across. But all of that changed then when I actually spoke to the owner of the old Imperial Hotel in Yall and got the exact details of the food and what's being offered there for breakfast, lunch and dinner and lunches for the kids going to school and everything. It painted an entirely different picture. Marika, good morning. Hello, Neil. Good morning. Uh, I I know we have spoken in the past. You're listening to this program from the UK. You are Ukrainian by birth. What did you make of yesterday? Well, I'm half Irish, half Ukrainian, but English by birth, unfortunately. Um, Well, I listened to her at first. So, uh, pardon me, Ukrainian parentage. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, one parent Ukrainian. Yeah, um, I did. I did feel quite sympathetic towards her, like yourself. You know, when she first came on, um, and then I thought, well, you know, at the end of the day, Neil, I've met Ukrainian refugees here in England, and the first things that come out of their mouths with broken English is they are grateful to be taken in, mm. and they're grateful to be alive. And they're not, as I put in my email, they're not generally um, a race that you would call entitled or arrogant or demanding. They're just not. I was a little bit disappointed with Alice's conversation. And even more so when you spoke to the chap who actually owns the hotel. Um, Would it be fair to say at this stage that she was on a bit of a solo run then? Um. Yeah, uh, you see, the the thing is, the food is quite different and the way that they prepare the food. I remember my mother preparing food for my father. It's very much a start from scratch job. Um, but so uh, no, everything's so, fresh, is it? Nothing's from a packet or a sauce or a powder or frozen or anything. Not like that. really. I mean, I mean, for the younger ones, you know, they they're a little bit more up and coming, I suppose. But for people of my dad's generation, it was very much everything was 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 fresh. But I I did put in my email if she was being fed bread and dripping every single day, I could understand her complaining. But then the owner came on and he described the food that's on offer and it sounded perfectly adequate to me. 
there's meat. They are big meat eaters as well as veg eaters and fish eaters. The way he did described it, it was it was a perfectly adequate. Yeah, um, numerous different pasta offering. dishes, even pasta adapted for the children who like plain yeah, pasta with pasta. butter, fish, beef, yeah. pork, chicken, rice, uh, lasagna, yeah, freshly yeah. made, yeah. not frozen, uh, yeah. curries, freshly yeah. made in the kitchen. Super breakfast, yogurt, croissants, scones, many different types of cereal, lots of fruit and different eggs. Uh, lunch then would be soup, sandwiches, salads, freshly baked bread, um, chicken wings, chips, various salads. And, and that's just the ones that I can remember off the top of my head. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's perfect. It sounds fine to me. That's the kind of stuff you get if you went out for a meal. Okay. A lunch or, or okay. an evening meal, it's, it's fine, it's ad- adequate. It's, you... it's more than adequate. Okay, it's like, it's like hunger being a good sauce, that's what I always say. If you're hungry enough, you'll <laughs> eat it, or you'll get to like it, or you will starve. Well, that's the thing, and Ukrainians have known about starvation in the past. Mm-hmm. Because so, of the Holodomor. So. Okay. so you would be worried then that maybe people might judge Ukrainian refugees like they would through the prism of thinking they're all like Allah. I'm really concerned about that, Neil, because um, be, because it. Uh, in fact, I, I I came away from listening to that podcast. I, li- I, li- I listened to it on my way to work this morning, and I thought to myself, "Is she even Ukrainian?" I mulled over it for quite a bit on my journey to work. I thought, "Is she even Ukrainian?" There's a hell of a lot of ethnic. Russians over there in Ukraine that also might have a Ukrainian passport and have fled, and then I thought, well, she's either well, a why Russian. Would, why would it matter and, if, and she it, was, if she was if she was fleeing? It, it matters a lot. It matters a lot, Neil. It's a big, big thing. It would take too long to go into. It does. It's a big point. Mm. You're talking about a lot of propaganda here. On, on yeah, man, hand, listen, I, I, I have to know. take it at face value that she is genuinely here and she is Ukrainian and she is a war refugee, but for some extraordinary know, reason she's making uh, a bit of trouble down there that isn't warranted. And I have and to say that again. it could be that she is Ukrainian and she's just ungrateful. Anyway. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, know. Okay. ungrateful. Okay, but uh, be kind and don't judge others through the prison of what Allah had to say, right? Well, that's that was the whole point, you know, because, I mean, I think, I think there is a little bit of a backlash now at the minute. And in some ways it's understandable because as, as the next caller on the, the, that you had on, after Allah um, stated she's working, she's up early in the morning, she's going out to work, she's Irish and she can't afford this, that and the other. So you have to see it from somebody else's point of view as well. Okay. A phone call such as that can cause a lot of anger, okay. but I don't want there to be a backlash towards the whole of the Ukrainian people in thank, Ireland. Thank you, Marika. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you coming on air. Let me get back to some more texts. All these people coming to our country are not poor compared to us. Um, another person says, 10 euro a day to feed a refugee in a hotel and the government allow for €4.20 Euro a day to feed our soldiers. Some imbalance there. The way your radio station constantly tried to stir up racial hatred is disgusting. These poor people are fleeing a war and your listeners who are racist need to understand that. But you won't push that point because that wouldn't be the right thing to do and you never do the right thing. Um, it's Allah, actually, who initially started this conversation regarding the food, not me. Uh, camping stove, 25 euro. Camping pots and pans and kettles, 35 euro. Cook your own food in the hotel room, problem solved. Clearly, you are jesting. You can't do that. You'd burn the hotel down. Uh, for God's sake, poor Ukrainians have been forced out of their homes and country. And this woman wants her week's holidays in Yall back in the hotel in Red Barn. 
These people are stuck in hotel rooms with no cooking facilities. Take a bloody reality check, people, and have some compassion. It's not that long ago that we Irish were forced to leave because of a food shortage. It was called the famine caused by an occupying country. OK, I won't even go there with, use, with the use of the term famine. Um, I've just been listening to the story on the radio about the lady in Yall. I have to say it boils my blood. I'm a healthcare worker with three children who found herself homeless last year and ended up living in an overcrowded house for which I was thankful for. I work full-time, 12-hour shifts at night. I'm breaking myself trying to get a home for me and my kids. What I wouldn't do just to have a simple complaint about the quality of food. I don't want to come here, but just wanted to voice my opinion. hope you get to read it out. Uh, Ukrainian women can cook. Why can't they use the kitchen at off-peak times and make a big, large pot of stew or broth? Uh, it could last for three days. Love the show, says Johnny and y'all. There wouldn't be any need for that because Danny, isn't it? Danny, the owner of the old Imperial Hotel in y'all, was on air and said he provides stew and he provi- provides Ukrainian broth. Clearly, they could do no more in this hotel, to be honest with you. Um, people here are struggling every single week to put food on the table. And she's complaining about the food she gets here. Does she realise how lucky she is to have any food and for it to be cooked and put in front of her. Years ago, uh, another one, I worked in a hotel that used to have coach loads of foreign tourists who were travelling around Ireland and staying in pre-booked hotels for two or three nights during their stay here. I always remember the chef saying, to give them any old crap, we'll never see them again. The food was different to what regular customers got, I can tell you. It was always cheaper and sometimes not the freshest. I'm not saying this is the case in that hotel, but I can honestly tell you of what I saw in the hotel kitchens that I worked in, it is very different. Yeah, not much of a chef, actually. Not a whole lot of passion in the job there. If it's a case of give many all crap, give them anything that we need to use up because we'll never see them again. Uh, I don't think that's what you sign up to be a chef for, but undoubtedly it must happen because all too often you see special menus on for coach tours and coach buses. And uh, anytime I... Had a look at them from time to time. They were always very limited and not the May West. Uh, but they're on a budget, you see. They only have X amount of money and the hotels or the restaurant or whatever might only get a small amount per person. So can't spend big money on what they serve up. Although I did talk with a, a publican restaurateur, guest house owner at the weekend, who said that the days of uh, foreign coach tours um, are slowly but surely dwindling away. Um, and you will see less and less on the Ring of Kerry in years to come that people want different kind of kinds of holidays by all accounts. Anyway, back to my phone lines we go. I will come back to more text on this throughout the course of the morning, I promise. But I want to chat with Lawrence. Lawrence, good morning. Good morning, Neil. In f- first of all, fair play to you for fighting the demon and coming back from it. Uh, addiction for, yeah. was it 28 years? Yeah, 28 years of my life, Neil. My God. From a young age? Yeah, from about the age of 13. All the way up to heroin? All the way, progress to heroin, yeah. Ah, oh, it's a man, it's a wonder you came back from it. How did you do it? Well, I don't know, Neil. It's like, it's it's hard work and a lot of help as well, like, you know. I think I was just, I was in a hopeless state at the end of it. And I was mentally, physically and emotionally, spiritually bankrupt. I, I was living in homeless accommodation and all I knew how to do was use, you know. And, um... Eventually, I just had enough. Like, you know, I had a daughter born into addiction as well, and I just had enough, so I had to make a change for her at first. And then as time went on, I I ended up just realising I have to do it for myself, like, you know. But I got massive help. I got massive help, like, you know. The help is there. You 
when you went to jail in 20, yeah. 2012 and came out in 2015, is that when you wrote for recovery? So would you have been three years no. clean in jail, no? No, that would have been, that's would have when, when it would actually spiral out of control for me and so progressed what, up to heroin. Okay, but what, like, but it mustn't have been, was there much available in jail? Oh, it's, it's, it's available in the jail, all right, you know. It is available in the jail, like. What can you get? Whatever you're really looking for, I suppose, Neil, you know, you can get it, like. You know, there's ways and means, like, you know, but, um, and, like, people are, pe- they're, they're sending people into into prison, like, for small offences and things like this, locking people up, and people have addictions going in there, and it's like, you know, you can't just expect someone just to, even even to get on the methadone or something in jail and just to stop using, like, you know, there's, there's people that are suffering there, like, you know, and I think a lot of people don't understand what it feels like to be in that position, like, you know, you're, you're, you've, you've no hope, you're lost. All you know how to do is use any bit of pain, emotional pain going on in your life. Yeah, I know. I All know. you know how to do is use, you know. Oh, you're just constantly chasing it because the addiction yeah. is that strong. But I, I'm always curious as to how it still manages to get into prison, whether it's cocaine or whether it's weed or whether it's heroin or whatever, you know. Yeah. But it still does. Mm. Now, how did you start... How did I start? Um, I think at a young age, you know, I've when I was when I've I went back in my past now since I've been in recovery. You know, I was I was suffering with low self esteem from a young age, and I suppose I was I was just I was struggling with growing up, and as any young person would. And I suppose you go through the process of growing up and getting used to dealing with things and understanding things, but. I I found drugs when I was about thirteen. I found hash and uh, uh, drinking and and smoking weed and stuff, and that was my escape then from having to deal with reality. You know, yeah. And I was always looking to escape myself because I didn't know how to deal with these the issues that were going on for me. Because when I found the drugs, they were my escape. So I never actually went through the maturing process. You know. Yeah. Did and they allow so, you to walk taller and with more confidence? Is that? Oh, they do like and that's that's the that's the trick of it like it's it's it makes you feel as if everything makes sense when in in fact it's it's just building you up to take take it all away from you like you know and like you end up I ended up relying on all this to escape emotions feelings anything like that in my life and um eventually I didn't know how to deal with emotions and feelings so anytime even a good feeling a bad feeling anything that came up I used on that like you know was and, anything um, to do with the company you kept? Uh, one of the reasons why you moved lot, up through the drug ranks? You know, from- I think a lot, when I look back at it now, it, it definitely has to do with the company you keep, you know? But, like, that's very hard to avoid when you're a young person, do you know what I mean? Because, as well as that, like, if, if you started using from a young age and, let's say, your parents are telling you, don't do this, don't do that, you're already in the cycle of using and in that, that kind of life. So you're not going to want to to be listening to authority figures or parents or anything so it's a very tricky situation like do you know what I mean to be dealing with young people in that situation I think compassion is a massive thing like you know just an understanding for addiction but was it you know? was it long before you went from the likes of cannabis all the way to heroin and crack cocaine it, it was a long time it was a long time you know but like I think it could be a lot quicker for younger people these days, but for me it was a long it was a long time because I was just using um, hash and weed and stuff like that for years and just drinking a little bit and and then it slowly just progressed to going out every weekend in my early twenties and then uh, I I 
like my mid twenties, I started uh, taking cocaine, and then as things went on, I started. De- I was dealing and selling drugs, and you know, I was just very reckless and careless in my life, making very bad decisions, yeah, and yeah. I suffered the consequences because I I got in trouble with the law, and I got I got locked up, and so you, you know, got busted, right? Um, I and, got busted, and yeah. you uh, were up before the court, where it was described at the time that you were living a high style lifestyle. Three yeah. motor cars at your disposal when the judge says most of us would be lucky to have one. Was it a high mm. lifestyle? I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. Like, do you know it was? Like, do you yeah. know it yeah. was? But I didn't know what I was doing at the same time. Do you know what I mean? I was all over the place. Like, and it's no way to live like... No, you know? no, I'm not judging you. I'm just going through yeah. the, the history of where you've gone and to where the yeah. great place you're in now. But I, mm. I often wonder whether people that are in the business of dealing actually have miserable lives so they're always looking over their shoulder or well, they're always on edge and they because they, that's, that's, that's what anytime I see it on, on TV well, it's kind of like I say why in the name of God so there's no happiness there well all I can do is I can only speak for myself like you know what I mean I can't speak for anyone else like you know I can only speak for myself and I I was I was just going with the way I was living, you know what I mean? And it was all just about using and, and then just making money at the same time. But it was, I eventually it, it caught up with me, you know? I was careless, like, and eventually it caught up with me and I suffered the consequences. And today I'm only, like, I'm in recovery over two years now and I'm I'm trying to live a normal life today and I, I'm standing at the bottom, I'm walking, I'm... I'm living on my own and driving, and I've lost a lot of time. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you lost so twenty-eight. I'm, you lost twenty-eight years of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm um, I'm trying to build my life now. You know, and um, it's hard to live life on life's terms when you're when you're used to that kind of lifestyle. Like, do you know, so what yeah, I mean? everything has to change, right? Okay, every single everything, aspect of everything. your life and your behaviour yeah. and your routine. Yeah your behaviours, your patterns, your routine, everything, you know, and you have to do things. Well, for me, I know I have to do the next right thing. I have to live life on life's terms and I have to I have to walk hard and, and, and stay honest and, and you know what I yeah, mean? And I know, I know. Like when, like, like when you were in court and you lived by this rule and you made a promise um, back in 2012 and you did three years, uh, you told the judge that you wanted to be a better role model for your son and you you honoured that and you delivered on that. Well, no, I didn't really because uh, uh, no. Ultimately, got, yeah, okay, all right. Carry ultimately, on. yeah, ultimately it did, but I'm only two. I'm two years in recovery. I was still last in addiction at that time. My mom died when I was in prison, and I was only four four months into a five year sentence. They couldn't let me out for the funeral, so I didn't. Your know mother died. Either. Sorry, that broke yeah, up a my, little bit. Yeah, my mother died. Yeah, and um, I. Uh, I I didn't know how to grieve, do you know what I mean? Because I had no life skills, like, I was I was an addict, like, you know? I didn't know how to deal with emotions. And, and were um, some of those emotions that you felt an awful lot of guilt, perhaps, as to letting down your parents as a son? Yeah, maybe it was, and shame and everything, and the life I was living, I don't know, do you know? Because at the, at the time, it was all... I, I couldn't identify an emotion. I couldn't tell you what, which was which and what was what, like, you know? It's only now I'm starting to, to learn about my emotions and how to deal with them, like, you know? And, um, yeah. So, so after after the stint then, inside, um, yeah. things got worse. I got, 
or worse, way worse. I came out of prison. Prison didn't help me any bit. It done nothing for me. It felt it made me worse, you know. I came out um, and I got a lot worse. I picked up a heroin addiction when I was in, in prison and I came out. And I, so uh, the, the heroin addiction developed from availability of heroin within the Irish prison network? Well, you it was, know, it's, it's... It was available, was what I'm saying. It was available, yeah. Okay. Okay, that's that's incredible, isn't it? It really and truly is incredible. Um, and that, of course, then was something you chased when you came out of prison. You needed to... When I came out, yeah. Yeah. I just think, do you know what I mean? It's like there should be something done about the way they're just firing people into prison, like, do you know what I mean? For the smallest offences, like, and I think there should be a bit, bit of top put behind it before they're just throwing people in there, like, you know? What kind of people did you meet in prison? Who who were you were you sharing with and things like that? I, I tell you the truth, a lot of the people that I met in prison were very nice people that had their own issues in their lives. That um, had a, there's a story behind every every conviction and every um, every crime, like you know. And it's like uh, a lot of people wouldn't realise that they just they just hear what's on the papers or hear what's been put out there and they make their judgment straight away, but. If a lot of people were, they were really nice people that I met inside there, like, you know. Mm, mm. Did you stay in touch with any of them? Um, at the moment, I stay in touch with a couple of them, but not not many, like, you know. Uh, you you kind of go your separate ways when you get out, like, you know. But yeah. there is one or two people that are that are friends of mine, like, you know, that I would stay in touch with, like, you know what I mean? And they're, they're, they're out and they're, they're working hard on their lives as well, like, you know. And when when you did decide then that you could no longer sustain this kind of life, that it was just going yeah. to kill you, uh, who did you reach out to? Um, what I done was I reached out. I got help from uh, a service that helped prisoners that got out of jail called Cork Alliance. And um, I I started working with a key worker there. And he, he I still work with him today. He, um, he doesn't ask for nothing. He just walks with me constant up and... One day he told me, I'll walk with you until you until the day you don't need me anymore, you know. So he's been like a, a garden angel for me. Like, he's helped me. He got me into treatment. He advised me. I took his advice and his suggestions. I'd done everything he said at the time. And he got me into a fellowship house in Torca, which were very helpful in the table group. Well, what and, were the um, withdrawals like? Well, like, I had to go on methadone for... Uh, over a year to come off the, the heroin itself, like, you know, and then I had to slowly come not come off the methadone. I came off the methadone on my own, like, you know. I was determined and um the withdrawals were terrible, like, you know. But um and then I got clean and I got off the methadone and What did you I say came. terrible as in wrecked with pain, is it? Just pain, pain, pain. pain. Yeah, sweats, everything you like, you know what I mean? It's undescribable, like, you know. And um I suppose it was it, like when you're using it's the fear when you're on heroin it's the fear of that of the withdrawals coming in kicking in it it it's not about just using to get out of your head anymore it's about using to stay stay well you know because the next morning the withdrawals kick in and that fear of the withdrawals is is immense like you know it's very hard like you know do you walk around town do i yes i do yeah like so do i it, it's shocking the people I see, and the state they're in. It's it's shocking to a point that, yeah, I feel very, very bad for people that I see around the place, like, you know. Like The Walking Dead, a lot of them. I was in there again yesterday, three and four people, no older than maybe late teens, early 20s, skeletal, all hanging around, looking with a desperate look on their face. Yeah, and it's, 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 
it's hard to look at because it's very hard, it's a very hard place for them people to be in. Like you know, it's a very very hard place. Lost, no hope in a place like that. Like you know, and they they can be judged very easily. Like and it's 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 you know there should be more of an understanding about what's going on and how they're feeling. Like you know, and it's like even just more compassion and more help for these people. Like you know. Mm. I just while while you were chatting, there, I was just thinking to myself that you, did you were probably dealing some of those drugs on those streets back in the day, weren't you? Back in the day, I wouldn't have been dealing uh, heroin. You know, yeah. by the time I went down to heroin, I was I was broken, like you know. So I wasn't dealing. I was. You weren't heroin. even capable of being a dealer. I wasn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So what's the? We got. We have heroin. We have crack cocaine. Fentanyl is apparently the next big thing. I'm told. Yeah, well, I wouldn't know much about it now. No, I you stay away it, from you know. it. But my, my point is, the scourge is not mm. getting better, it's getting worse. Yes, yeah. Do you see it ever being sorted out? Or people ever getting out of the miseries that you were through? <sighs> that's that's a hard question to answer. I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't predict that, but I think, you know... I think something different has to be done around it anyway, do you know what I mean? Some kind of understanding between the people that are using and to know that there is hope there and that, you know, they're not discriminated against that much that it's it's just the way of life. Because uh, I know for me, when I was in that state, everyone had given up on me. Everybody, everyone had given up on me. Yeah. So I was giving up on myself up until a point where I just went, I can't do this anymore, you know? Yeah. But um, when everyone's given up on you and you're in a sorry state like that, it's, it's very hard to pull yourself out of that. Like, you know, there's a lot of shame and stuff involved in that then as well. Well, you did. Did you lose friends to heroin? I did. Mm. I did. Yeah. yeah. So you lost friends and mothers and fathers I lost did. sons and daughters. I did. Yeah. A lot of people lose friends to heroin. And it's very, uh, how, how, can, how are you supposed to know how to grieve a friend that you've just lost to heroin if you're, if you're, in addiction to heroin, you know, you don't know how to grieve people, so that just makes the problem even worse. Like you know, where what are you doing now, though? Because uh, you, you you obviously are working for a living and are quite creative mm. in that regard. Oh, I'm very I'm very creative as well because, like you know, when I was in addiction, even since a very young age, I was I was always into music, like you know, but I could never do anything with the music, like uh, while I was in addiction, but um. I'm in recovery two years now and there. Last year, myself and my mate, we, we formed a duo, like a two-pack group that we're, we're producing our own electronic music. And um, When you we, say electronic, uh, like techno? Techno, it is techno, yeah. And like we've, we've actually, we've had about 30 releases on about seven, five, six, seven different uh, worldwide labels, like, you know, and we're releasing music on labels, all professional, like, and we've been putting a lot of effort into this and it's a great hobby and it, it's a great way of me for my recovery as well. Like, but we've started doing, um, doing gigs up in Cork city as well. Since the start of this year, we've done a couple of them in the Kino, which is a great spot. Mm. And, um, and then we're doing some in the Spalpy and Farnock as well, but it's very hard to get people to, to come to the, to the gigs. Like, you know, mm. we're doing all the promotion that we can, but, like there's only a certain amount of promotion we can do because we don't have the funds. We're working hard, me and my friend, every week, but we're losing money at the gigs, you know. And, so um, when's the next? Week, they call them techno takeovers. Let's let's push the yeah. next one for you a few times. When is yeah, it? Thank you. It's in on the twenty third of uh, June. Is the next one in Onspiel 
on Spalpeen Farnock and um, it'll be me and my mate Luke and Flex and we have a couple of other DJs coming there and um, we're hoping that people will show up like you know and like if people were interested they could even listen to our music on YouTube Spotify wherever Luke and Flex Luke and you know? Flex on Spotify Luke. YouTube yeah. and the takeover gig is the 23rd of June at Unspalpin Phonic. Is that, that's South Main Street, is that a late gig? No, it's a, it's, it closes at one o'clock, like, you know, so it starts at eight and closes at one. But um, there's, there's, there's a great crowd that comes there, like, you know, when we do get people, yeah. there's a great crowd that comes there and there's great energy in the night, like, you know, it's I go there, I'm sober as a judge yeah. and the music means so much to me and the energy there, everyone, it, there's never any trouble. It's it's a great, great event to come to, like, you know, okay. and it's good to see Irish Cork talent that are that are doing the wrong thing. Like, I, I'm well, delighted you know? that considering what you've gone through in your life, that you're mm. following a passion now, um, a healthy passion. That's brilliant, yeah. you know, and... Uh, all good. Your son is growing up and everything to a healthy young man. Mm. Yeah, Brilliant. delighted for you. Okay, let's let's push the gig um, um, between now and June twenty third a few times. June twenty third on Spot Beam Phonic. It's the latest techno takeover by Luke and Flex. And and do stay in touch. And, and thanks for sharing. I just hope the conversations like this give hope. You know, particularly to people caught in addictions. And and also mm. they they may or may not be listening to radio programs there because they're. Demented yeah. following their their addiction, but maybe their families are, you know. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, and what message would you give to families? Um, to families, I just said, don't give up on people. Do you know what I mean? Try and give them a bit of compassion and some hope. You know. Yeah. And just get them to reach out, to reach out, like for help. The help is there, like you know. But they have yeah, to be. They have to be ready for the reach out, don't they? They, they have to, but they can they can kind of experiment with it as well, even if they're not ready, but they'll know that there's somewhere to go back to, you know. So they you're saying try, to, fail, try again? Yeah, fake it till you make it, you know, even, or whatever, you yeah. know. The okay. NA rooms and the AA rooms, that's where the help is. If if someone's desperate and they can hear this, if they're desperate and they've no hope, that's where you go to get the help. Okay, you good know. catching up with you, Lawrence. I'm delighted that you things too. are working out for you. Good luck to you and Flex, all Cheers. right? Take care of yourself. Thank you. Look and Flex. Right. Check them out on Facebook, lads, in the gig and the Spalpeen Phonic on June 23rd. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Back to calls in a couple of minutes' time. More texts from yesterday's programme. It started with Allah and her thoughts on the food, etc. In uh, y'all, that woman... Alla is upset and lonely. She's used to preparing her own fresh vegetables. She is away from home, fleeing war. Why can't those loudmouth, ignorant Irish people have some empathy and love and compassion, for God's sake? Uh, they do. Irish people do have all of that. Um, uh, incidentally, that story actually changed yesterday morning as we went through uh, the menu. Uh, having said that, it's hard to be empathetic, uh, as you say, people should be when people are struggling so badly in their own lives and they found that in a calendar year, the Irish state has spent a billion euro, a billion euro. Um, not saying that people don't deserve, deserve and need help, but you have to work out and get some balance into the equation too, don't you? That menu you described is beautiful. I couldn't afford to cook a menu like that myself. I'm raging. Beautiful food, heated beds, clean linen. People are taking the mick out of the Irish or homeless have nothing. My goodness, I'm fuming. Fair play to the owner for coming on to clarify it from y'all. You know, it's, it's, and it isn't really just, I suppose, homelessness or people without a home. And, and that's bad enough. It can't get much worse than that. 
But for many people who have a home and also have a job and, and are struggling and wondering what the hell is the point, or children who need, who need um, intervention or uh, need help uh, or need services, Look at the waiting list for children, not to mention the elderly. Uh, GP says, if they don't like it, go back to Ukraine, rebuild your country. They should not have the luxury of choosing what they eat. In fact, send them home. They would not show up. Uh, this, uh, they would not show us the same hospitality if the roles were reversed. Uh, people who come here should eat what they are given or go hungry. Then they will be glad of it. Now, that, that's fair enough if there was a raging debate within war refugees that the food and the conditions are shocking. But there isn't vast majority are so so grateful um, this girl is probably traumatised um, she's all wrong we all know that it's just one person so people please calm down it gives sucker to the anti-immigrant groups conversations like this she is a traumatised woman um, she actually spoke yesterday morning to me on air about not being able to ever go home or certainly not in the conceivable future because her home is rubble bombed to the ground. There are plenty empty hotel rooms though, aren't they, in Kiev and all over Ukraine, which is 99%, 90% war free. The only thing is that they are not free. Uh, talk about biting the hand that feeds you. And one more for now. I'm at work fuming. You should bring um, these, well, I suppose, determine what you're actually saying without me broadcasting it because it borders on hate. You should bring people who don't tell the truth back on and quiz them again about them not telling the truth, says Mick. I thought about that yesterday, actually, but I didn't actually think it would do any good. Um, Firstly, it was apparently very obvious to all of us, you know, what was going on here. It was one person and her English wasn't great. And I don't want to be I don't want to be the one to be given grief or bawling out a woman with children. That's not what I'm here for. I think it was very evident to everybody as the morning went on yesterday. Can I just talk more about what Lawrence was talking about there with him coming back from a crack cocaine and a heroin addiction and turning his life around? Um, we, we talk about all sorts of different drugs and sometimes it can be combinations of things. It can be heroin and crack cocaine or indeed you can throw alcohol into the mix. We've got kind of a laissez-faire attitude to alcohol in this country. Um, yes, yes, I'm saying that, but I know that Vince is certainly saying it and is evidence of it all too often. Vince, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good. Yeah. What, what, what did you see? Um, recently, I was in an off-license shop and I was in the queue just buying a paper and there was a guy in front of me. I could see he was the worst for wear. He was about 20. He, he was in front of me. And is it a good idea, incidentally, for... I'm just curious, for someone like your good self who... Uh, is off the drink and had a problem with it to even be inside the door of an off-licence? No, well, it was an off-licence shop. We say a part of the shop was an off-licence and the rest of it then... Oh, is, I see, I see, is, I see. It's not an off-licence, off-licence, yeah. I've I'm just wondering, because you're off it a long time now, but would, you know, be, is being around it a problem? Not for me, no. I'm kind of, like, I'm 12 years out off it now and I I feel confident in myself that I can you know um, stay off it you know Um, I'm so long I'm so long off it but uh, he was in front of me and I could see he was the worst for wear and he was next in the queue and he bought he said a bottle of vodka to the guy inside the counter and the guy sold him the bottle of vodka and he he literally staggered as he went out the door like he could see and the guy I went up I paid for the newspaper and he said uh, to me God, he said, he's off his face. I said, yeah, he is off his face. And you just sold him a bottle of vodka, you know. And what like, was his was response really... to that? Um, he shook his shoulders. Um, he said, like, that's my job, you know. 
Well, he was probably not trained or maybe I don't know what. He just shook his shoulders. And I said, I said I could easily come when the, your license is up for renewal. I said, I could object to it. I said, that's a disgrace. I got, I got, I got crossed with him because... Um, but like he's, he an, he's an assistant, I suppose, uh, you say. He in was his, a mature his... man, though. Like, he was in his 30s or 40s. And, like, I mentioned this problem back along where people in pubs or places are being sold drink when they're actually drunk and, like, off their face, whether it's alcohol or drugs. And they're being sold drink. And I, I know this. And But I would I, say, in fairness yeah, now, without yeah. wanting to cut across you, apart from Mary, maybe very busy super pubs where it's rocking and heaving, I'd say mm. there would be very few pubs in in the villages or smaller pubs with a regular clientele that would serve somebody that's langers. They'd say you've had I, enough, wouldn't I, they? I, I, I think in today's society and the way the pub thing is going that you will suck the money out of the punter because business during the week is so bad. You know, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in the pubs. But I think the problem isn't a pub. The problem is particularly now coming in for the next four or five months is the, the, the accessibility in the off-license. You can walk in, get the nagins, get the bottles, get this, get this. Like, it's a huge problem of, like, what I'm saying to the off-license people in, in the city or the county is that we must take responsibility when you're selling alcohol, you know, that you're not selling to underage. What and would that it thought there'd be a rule in an off license that you wouldn't serve alcohol is, to somebody who's drunk? They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not enforcing the responsibility. That's what I'm saying. What there was do, a clear. What did you do? A clear example of what I was. You know, t- okay, was, so was, the, the the guy who bought the bottle of vodka. What kind of an age was he? He was, he was about twenty, but I could see straight away he was in bad shape, and he was like he was like a guy. The huge thing that's happening, as you know, in the city is that people are buying the stuff in the off-lights and they're going home and they're having it at home in their shared house or apartment or whatever. And uh, no, if it's a fine evening and into the month ahead, they're naturally going outside. But like you look at the problem, just give you a, a stat, right? There's four months of the year gone, right? In the four months of the year, I read you that there's 129 call-outs, 129,000 call-outs of domestic by the Gardaí in the four months. Do you, you think know? that's the, that a lot of this primarily uh, driven by alcohol? A lot of it is, yeah. Like, you look at that guy, right? We say that particular incident. He goes home, and if he's in a shared house with renting a place, like, it's, number one, it's dangerous. And, you know, it's, they're mixing, you know, maybe drugs and alcohol. But what I'm saying to the off-license... Chances is, are he doesn't have a home, though. Yeah, I'd say he has. And that that maybe, bottle you know? of vodka yep. is his only comfort when he's yep. hunkering the down in whatever doorway or kip or doss house. Yeah, the other thing about the city centre, I think, this is my this is my own theory, I know recently there was some place shot down, but that there's too many off-licenses in the city centre and that people on a Saturday night congregate around and they're selling a load of alcohol and it looks bad. I wouldn't like to see any more off-licenses in the city centre myself. Okay. Yeah. And okay. what I'm saying what I'm saying is that like let people take in the store in for the summer, let the owners of the centres and the people selling the alcohol in the off let's take responsibility and train the staff, you know, 
I know what So you refuse somebody then at the counter and you're a staff member, you might be young or you might be Correct. female or you might be a slip yeah. of a thing. Yeah. And you refuse some it, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, and, then, it, yeah. and then and it then kicks get, off. It kicks off. And that's where I thought of that actually since I was thinking about that and that very point. You you have to have what I call mature people or strong people or like security people, particularly at night. And also, you know, you've got to have, you've got to say no when somebody has enough, I think, myself. Like, I saw the damage alcohol did to me, and I, it, it's doing to society generally, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, like, what? it's an interesting point. You t- spoke to the earlier guy there about, you know, going to A, and, it, like, it's sometimes like planting a seed in somebody that has a, a drink problem. Somebody can say something or do something. Like, I'll give you an example, like, I've offered my service to the schools, to the HSC. Nobody came back to me because I'm, I'm a good man to talk. I could go into, like, we're coming into the end. Of, they're wrapping up in college. They're wrapping up in schools. I can tell directly the damage that alcohol, for my story. And, I and do you think people, people like would me, listen you know? or they'd say, uh, that never happened to me or don't you lecture think, me? No, no. no I, all I do is plant this. If I went into a school tomorrow or whatever, I'd say, or a college or whatever, I'd say, this is my story. I just tell what I did, and you know, uh, I wouldn't be afraid to tell. Like a thing like that can help people. Yeah, you can plant. It happened to me. It, it plants a seed. Look, you know, and uh, it's a start. Okay. Like I, I, I would do that for free. But I think that I think it's a huge problem. Off license and alcohol. You know, the other thing about it is, I think the government over the last fifteen or twenty years is that we've increased the price in the pub. To about six fifty or seven or whatever, and then we've got the price in the off licenses is very low, like the discrepancy between one and the other. I think it would be much better if the price in the pub was lower and the price in the off license was higher. Okay, that's like for another day. Just, just, pub, just, just finally, because I'm out of time. After after that incident in the off license, I, I hear that you went to the guardie, did you, or you reported it? I, I did. I asked the guardie, is there anything I could do? No, he said, there's a licensing authority you can speak to. And I think you can report it to them. And he said, when the license comes up again, it's an object. It's not a guard issue, okay. he said. Okay. They don't right. deal with that. Okay. But it, I, was, I was very disappointed in the, in, you know, to see it happening, particularly a guy that was really in bad shape and he's getting a bad, you know. Okay. Not nice. Thanks for sharing Thanks, that. Please. Cheers, Vince. Take Thank care. You. According Thanks. to the revenue records, there are 1,688 liquor licenses in the county of Cork. That includes publicans and off licenses. It totals 1,688 liquor licenses in the county of Cork. It'd be a great thing to see if there was a stat for that uh, number from 10 years ago or 20 years ago to see how much it's dropped. Back after 11, text 0868 I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. With a €200 Euro gift card to spend at Sound Store, either Sarsfield Road, Blackpool Shopping Centre, now open at Market Green in Middleton. They have everything and anything for the home and garden. Uh, when it comes to electrical appliances indoors or indeed robotic lawnmowers outdoors, we have the Gardena Salino Minimo to give away tomorrow. A robotic lawnmower, a Robomo. And it could well be yours tomorrow morning. Um, a 200 euro gift card every day for Sound Store 
If you can identify the movie and the famous robotic character from the movie, okay, you got to get both, the robot and the movie. So I'll open the phone lines just before midday today um, and take caller nine and every caller thereafter until we get a correct answer. Should be fairly straightforward. Don't call just yet, though, but here's the clip from the film and indeed the AI, artificial intelligence robot. Call it what you will. Life. Don't talk to me about life. All right, mate, I won't. So I'll play that one more time between now and midday. While talking to um, Sinn Féin councillors, or in the case of an ex-Sinn Féin councillor, you should have asked him why Michelle O'Neill is attending the coronation. Or is he just like them all, accepting everything that the leadership is telling them? Um, This is to do with the coronation of Charles and Camilla. I would not blame RTE for not showing the Cork tip match on Saturday showing a coronation though would you please inquire with GAHQ as to why it's available to watch at a fee on a streaming service instead of on RTE or Virgin for free where it should be. Uh, incidentally we did check what would be shown when the Cork tip match would be on RTE and RTE 1 is showing the Paddington movie and RTE is showing rugby Glasgow Warriors versus Munster. Uh, other text then with regards to what they do and don't do. I don't know what the commotion is about the coronation. Yes, we are a republic, but it doesn't stop the Republicans watching soccer every weekend. That doesn't jar with their credentials. They're also blaming RTE for not running the Cork tip game. That's not RTE's fault. It's the Grab Ball Association's fault, putting certain games out of the reach of RTE. Uh, the event is a global one and everyone will be watching the coronation for its pomp and ceremony. Um, thank you for that. You say that it is outside the reach of RTE, that it's the GAA. But yet, um, we just did some research into that this morning and the platform that the matches are available on is called GAA Go. And you can have a one-off purchase of €12. Euro. That's what it will cost you to watch the Cork Tip game. Or you can get three games for a bundle um, for €24, Euro. or you can get a season pass, which they say is the best value, to watch loads of them for €79. Euro. So one match would cost you 12 all of them would cost you 79 But what's very interesting is that GAA Go is a joint venture between RTE and the GAA. I wasn't aware of that. So, um, it's uh, obviously, it's, it's a source of revenue for the GAA, but it's an extra streaming source of revenue for RTE, isn't it? That you now have to pay, kind of indirectly because it's a partnership between uh, RTE and the GA, but you have to pay RTE a second time to watch a match that years ago, all of these matches would have been on the national broadcaster's platform. Um, so there you go. That's it. Thank you to everybody who got in touch. Brian and Mayfield in particular, Cahill and Kladov and Pat. These are men who got in touch to say that they'd be happy to help the pensioner Mary uh, to sort out the uh, work that needs done, dismantling the bed and taking a, a wardrobe apart because she's a pensioner living on her own. And she's got new flooring going in. So thank you, chaps. We'll, we'll work on that when we get off the air. And then with regards to the speed particularly on the South Ring, heading in and out of the tunnel. Um, Trucks don't need speed limiters. They have tachographs, the spy in the cab. If the trucker speeds, the tachograph will grass on them, says Pat. My friend drives an Arctic. There is a limit on all trucks. They cannot go beyond 80 kilometres, somebody's saying. And others saying that it's 90 for trucks and 100 for buses. I agree with your caller about people trying to pass out trucks and Arctics. I'm a bus driver in the city and we're constantly dealing with drivers cutting us off are trying to overtake us even in the middle of Patrick Street. 
They're going to kill somebody someday overtaking buses. I don't mean to be lecturing or preaching, but would you ever give buses a break? They're trying to get from A to B, stop at all of these stops and try and remain on the timetable schedule. So there's a bus indicating to pull out. Would, you, would we all just let them out so they can go about their business? I know it sounds like as I'm preaching. Uh, come on, Neil. Truck limiters can be disengaged by pulling out a fuse. My father used to drive trucks. So thank you for all of those. we got calls, texts and comments after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Yeah, back to calls and audio in a couple of seconds, but Con Lucy, a regular listener, um, listens overseas an awful lot, said, I listened to Alla on your programme um, with regards to the food and the quality of the food, etc. Um, I can see why and how some Irish people are very unhappy with that lady's complaint. He says, I worked offshore on ships with a budget of $4 for four meals a day. Needless to say, the food was far from being good. We lived with it for four or five months of our contract at sea each time. But it was very simple. You take it or you leave it. I stayed in lodgings like digs and often the food uh, was very poor. As long as I was not hungry, it was okay for me. I think that lady with uh, was the mouthpiece for the silent few. And she needs to think how lucky she is to have a caring country like Ireland to meet and greet her and then care for her an unlimited period of time. She's a roof over her head, four meals a day, benefits from the taxpayer, transport to and from a hotel into town. That lady wants to stay in Ireland and start a business. Good for her. But again, she should be pleased of what she has got. I know one thing as an Irishman, if I decided to return to ERA, I would not get the meet and greet welcome that she has got, says Con Lucy by email to neil at redfm.ie. Meanwhile, Anthony says it's the likes of Michal Martin condemning the ditch website. And you have to wonder for what? We find out what's going on with our politicians because of the ditch website. Also, anyone that seems to question the influx of asylum seekers are branded as far-right activists. These leaders are turning against our own whenever questioned on any issue, says he. And that, that's a very valid point, actually, with the name-calling that goes on when people express an opinion. But somebody says, I'm laughing at Neil calling it the Republic of Ireland. It's more like the Republic of all the other countries in the world. Can I just say before I read the rest of that... That, that's the way of the world, though. You know, we don't own our own country. You know, we're, okay, I mean, it is we are part of a, a nation, but it doesn't mean we pull up the drawbridge and not allow anybody in. It's the People move all over the world to live and to work and raise families. And all the country, unlike us, with regards to having many different people. Uh, but I suppose it's carrying your own load is what people would like to see. Uh, people going here to uh, add to the economy or to add to the community, as opposed to thinking that it's a, a free ride. Anyway, back to the text. We have issues with the coronation and our history with the UK, but yet we let unvetted migrant men wander our streets. I actually feel sorry for those who died as a result of fighting for this country. They'll be turning in their graves of the state of it now. I'm looking forward to the coronation. It will distract me from the more serious issues this country has, like the safety of our women and children. I will be coming back to the safety of women a little later on, but that text actually mentioned in one part of its book about people who died fighting for their country. There's an incredible individual in Cork at the moment, and he was down in uh, Kinsale yesterday, and Seamus went down to meet him. His name is Don Graves. He's a 97-year-old, or did he... He's, he's actually turned 98 now since I received the press release. He's a 98-year-old war veteran from World War Two, And he'd always had a wish to go to Ireland to sit in a pub 
to have a pint of stout and to sing Danny Boy. Now, he's an incredible guy because he was a flamethrower operator um, who operated and fought on Iwo Jima in World War II. Um, and the average life expectancy of those at that battle, in, it was Japanese territory off the, like maybe 1,200 kilometres off the coast of Japan. It was the Battle of Iwo Jima. There were many films and documentaries done about it. Um, one of them was uh, a two-parter. Do you might recall it? I think Clint Eastwood directed them. I'm open to correction on that. One was called Letters of Iwo Jima, and that was from the Japanese perspective. The other one was called Flags of Our Father, and that was from the USA uh, war, um, the armies and the Marines perspective. Um, there were others, but those two were, were fairly powerful in a two-parter. But he was there for that. And they say that the average life expectancy of those who fought in the Battle of Iwo Jima was less than 10 minutes. Uh, and the stats, actually, of those who were killed on that 36-day battle, uh, 6,800 uh, were, were killed on the American side, uh, 19,000 wounded. Um, on the Japanese side, 18,000 were killed and only 216 Japanese were captured alive. You will recall it if you remember the story of Iwo Jima where the American Army and Marines then raised the flag, that very iconic flag that was then um, hoisted on the island of Iwo Jima. But enough of me. Back to the story of uh, Don Graves who wanted uh, to come to Ireland. He's got an incredible mind, actually. He is sharp as a pin at the age of, of 98. Uh, but as I say, yesterday, uh, Seamus travelled down to Kinsale uh, to catch up with him and to see if he was going to get into a pub and have his pint of stout and sing Danny Boy. Have a listen. Oh, Danny Boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling from Glen to Glen and down the mountainside. The summer's gone and all the flowers are dying. Well, I'm very glad this trip has been supplied by people who seem to love me. I mean, it's just tremendous. On TikTok, on the computer, uh, Jeremy, he, he's partly responsible also. He, put a, took a, he took a picture in an interview, ran it in TikTok, and I said, that's not going to go anywhere. And he said, well, let's try it. Three weeks later, he came back and he said, do you remember where we put your picture in TikTok? I said, yeah, how'd it do? He says, read below the picture. The people in America donated $14,000 for me to come here. Wow. How's that? Well, that's them paying back to you because uh, Little Bird tells me that you're the last surviving member of the Imoshima. Uh, the greatest generation. Yeah. And one of the very few left. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because you were one of the flamethrowers that went in on the island, weren't you? Yes, I had an assault squad. I carried a flamethrower and had the rifle on my left and on my right because if I fall 72 pounds, I can't get up. And they had to be with me. The sad thing is, about an hour after we were on the beach and going up over the top, I was alone. They were killed. And John Bass alone, he's well known. First Medal of Honor of the Second World War in the Marine Corps on Guadalcanal. He was to my right. A sniper shot him and killed him. And everybody just, that really hurt. Yeah. 
He was a good Marine. So am I right in saying that there was only about 5% came out? My company, close to 300 of us, hit the beach. Six weeks later, we were released and went down by our cemetery by the water and we were going to leave. 18 of us walked off. No officers. 7,000 of my buddies were killed. 20,000 wounded and taken off aboard Navy ships and some were buried at sea. Was it worth it? We said no, we should have boycotted it, just went around it. But by taking Iwo Jima, we shortened the war in the Pacific and we saved the life of 29,000 Air Force personnel because the B-29 could leave Saipan direct to Japan, drop their bombs, and the P-51s would be on the airstrips in Iwo, and they could go there all the way and back and had a place to land if they were ever shot them. When I was in a foxhole up on top, I looked down, and a B-29 was wounded. She was shot up pretty bad, and they said they had to come in. They said, well, we're still fighting here. I don't give a darn, I'm Lannan. And he, we all watched. He came in sideways, sideways. It was on fire and stopped, and we all just, hooray, he made it. Yeah. They put the fire out. What enticed you into the military? God enticed me. I was on the beach. I was laying there for 10 minutes. I was scared to death because we never expected to be pinned down like that. And right 575 feet to our right was Mount Suribachi, where we put the flag up after. And they were firing down from the mountain right on top of us. We couldn't get up. And if you've, if you've got to get off the beach when we hit those Anas, because that's where they'll try and annihilate you. The quicker off the beach, the more men you'll still have. And we just could not move. But I lay there terrified, and suddenly something came over me. Now, I was a rascal, and I prayed to God for the first time in my life, seriously. I said, Lord, if, if you can do for me what people say you can do, and you get me off this item, I'll serve you the rest of my life. He got me off. I fought on that island for Sukes and never thought about him. I was in a foxhole on the north end. We only had about a week to go. And they were hunkered down, but they would come at us at nighttime. And during the day, I, I, well, there were three of us, we joined together. And I got up and I put my arm, my elbows on the ground and I looked around with my glasses, looking for snipers, I couldn't find a one, I couldn't see anything. So I dropped back down and got on my phone and I said, CP Graves, they said, go ahead Graves. I said, no snipers, I've took 15 minutes to look. There are no snipers, I, I can't see them. He said, keep looking, because they're shooting at us up here in CP, they know we're here. By the way, I'm sending a kid there to you. He's a replacement, put him to work. I said, yes, sir. Well, we waited for about 10 minutes or so, and this kid came and crawled in the hole. They said, who's Graves? I said, I am. What do you want me to do? I said, sit down over there. There'll be a lot to do tonight. And I said, well, got to be looking for him. So I grabbed my glasses. He said, Graves, let me take a look. No, you get yourself shot. And one of my buddies said, give him the glasses. That's what he's here for. So I threw the glasses to him, and I sat back. 
he got right where I had been for 15 minutes. And then suddenly, he fell back, shot between the eyes. His helmet flew off, and it landed by my feet. And it was spinning for a quick turn. And I looked down when it stopped. I looked down on the helmet, caught in the web, was a beautiful girl in a chair, and in her lap was a baby. Oh dear. I lost it. I stood up, I shook my fist in the air, and I said, curse Iwo Jima. Curse the Marine Corps. Listen, curse God for having that kid take my place. The war ended. I got out. And for a good long time, now, you know, I got out in 46. I bummed around in Detroit and May 15th, 1954, I went on a fishing trip. Never caught any fish, but we caught a lot of bottle bass. Bottle bass, yes. I came home, not too good a shape. My wife and I were not making it. We were ready, almost ready for divorce. And I threw myself on the couch, and she was doing housework, and the phone rang. She answered the phone, hung it up, came over to me, and I said, who was that? They said, Mr. Bilo. Now, Mr. Bilo and his wife came from Copenhagen to Denmark, and they helped us a lot. I respected him. And I called him, and I said, Peter Bilo. He said, Don, I want to talk to you. And I don't want you to say one word. I said, yes, sir. You're a mess. I said, yes, sir. You're losing your best friends. You're losing your wife. And you're losing yourself. And you can't help yourself. Would you take my wife and I to Billy Graham Evangelistic meeting down the way to Oshkosh, which was 16 miles away on Lake Winnebago, Wisconsin? Do you know what I said? I'll change my clothes, clean up, I will be right there. I automatically said that. We went to this auditorium, packed with 2,700 people. And we walked in, they put us on the front seat by the screen. And we're sitting there and it starts. On came Billy. You were not your own. You're bought with a price. And that price was Jesus Christ to kill. But what are you going to do with Christ in your life? It's a mess. It's a mess and you know it's a mess. And you're losing your life. You're losing your family. You're losing everybody. You won't be able to help yourself. You need Christ and you come you come tonight when we when you have an opportunity you come tonight well the film ended later on i sat there and i thought someone hit me in the face with a hammer so it was a turning point for you and everybody came every, everything came back to me i said you liar you hypocrite you use God to get off the island. And the preacher got up. He said, normally we would send you home, but we're not going to do that. I know that there's someone here right now in this auditorium that needs to know the person of Christ. 
He needs his life change. And we're going to sing one more time, and you come. I stood there. They started singing. And I said, I'm going up. And I went to turn around, and I heard a voice, and I'm not imagining this. A voice said to me loud and clear, sit down, you fool. What about your wife? I said, this isn't going to work. It's just not going to work. I turned around, my wife got up off the seat, walked up and grabbed my hand. She said, let's both go up. For five years, I worked in the Christian ministry to teenagers. I, I, I did rescue work, skid row. I just, I went right at it. You came here on, on Saturday. Uh, it's part of your, yes. your bucket list, yes. is it? we had a good time. I sang some Irish songs. We all sang. We had a great time. Yep. Oh, yeah. And I believe you're singing Danny Boy wherever you can. I'm going to do Danny Boy, and I'm going to do, oh, I'm going to do everything I can here. Because when I have a little bit of drink, I want to sing. Come ye back when summer's in the meadow And all the rose bloom a sweeter bee It's I'll be here in sunshine or in shadow Oh, Danny boy Oh, Danny boy, I love you so. I just think it's an incredible story. I mean, he's an amazing man. That's uh, Don Graves, the American Marine from Iwo Jima at 98 years old. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to be as cognizant as he is at the age of 98? It's a fabulous story and his dream came true. Because he did get to Ireland, he did get to uh, pubs and meet people and sat down and had his pints of stout and a little drop of whiskey, I'm told as well, and sang Danny Boy, one of his lifelong wishes. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Of course, it's a sad story of war as well, isn't it? And the futility of wars. And we're still as much stuck in the throes of wars and conflict now as we were back then in the 1940s or indeed when there was a big revolution for peace in the 1960s. And nothing has really changed. Text 0868104106. Lovely story. Thanks, Seamus. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Okay, I'll come back to text this side of uh, midday because there was a uh, huge interaction over the past few days. So we'll get to those. But uh, just one topic that I want to go back to from earlier. A listener was talking to me earlier on was talking about the pressure on people. I think I was talking at the time with regards to the cost of things and how the prices of key staples have risen over the past year. I started the program saying that year on year loaf of bread is going to cost you 25 cent more, uh, tea bags 18 cent more, uh, cheese for some extraordinary reason for an average uh, piece of cheese, so 1 euro 61 uh, spaghetti is up 24 cent milk was up to 45 and that's why there's a, a price war going on now within the supermarkets regarding milk and butter but that's all it would seem eggs are up 36 cent uh, butter is up 68 cent and things like that. Uh, of course, as I said, there is a price war on uh, with uh, Aldi and Lidl and Tesco and Dunn's and Supervalue. But will it stretch further than, say, butter and milk? And what would it impact on the farmers? Well, the farmer story is for another day. But it certainly goes to show that more and more people are caught in the trap 
um, who wouldn't have been, say, two, three, five years ago. But somebody said earlier on that they're hearing of people who are in such a bad state now and getting help from the likes of St. Vincent de Paul and, and what have you, that they're actually having to split up their families and their children are going to relatives or parents' homes or whatever while they go into the likes of an Edel house or indeed a, a Simon uh, or a St. Vincent's and places like that. I thought that was absolutely shocking that it's got that bad. I suppose none of that would come as any surprise to the likes of Jerry Garvey, the regional coordinator with the St. Vincent de Paul uh, down in this neck of the woods. He joins me by phone. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, I mean, did, have you heard of stories like that? And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it's yeah, quite alarming. We, we've, we've certainly heard of stories where, where there, you have families breaking up largely due, due to homelessness rather than the, the cost of food. But that, you're right in your introduction when you say that everyone's finding the pressure a little bit more than before, and more and more people are slipping under that poverty line where they just can't make ends meet and they have to turn to charities like ourselves. Mm. Do you have any specific stats for Cork and the greater Cork region, I wonder, so how bad it is? I don't have hard statistics, but in, in general, we would say that about one in five people will find themselves in difficulty. And we're finding that the, the traditional profile of people who would have had difficulty is probably changing. There's a lot more working poor. I, I know we've had this discussion previously where mm. people are working at maybe lower lower level um, employments, where they're working at maybe minimum wage or slightly above it. And, you know, the, the cost of living has just far surpassed that. I mean, one small stat is, is that the minimum wage is 11 85 approximately the living wages what we base our, our statistics on is 1385 and that gap is, is is very important because that's you know whatever it is 190 an hour but that living wage, wage of 1385 an hour is probably even irrelevant now because of cost increases it is probably yes for, for a lot of people and people are having to scrimp and scrape uh, we've a lot more people coming for food support and energy support now that would have never come to us in previous years what are they doing with regards to the seven mortgage increases since last summer, I wonder? It varies. A lot of people are getting into serious mortgage arrears. Some are turning to support agencies like MABS to, to give them a hand out. Uh, some of them are just losing and walking away from, from homes and flats because they can't afford the rents or the mortgages. So whatever they have paid into it counts for nothing? Unfortunately, if you get to that stage, no, you know, I, I don't think there are huge numbers in that situation, but it's a, it's a very, very challenging situation and we try and help people out as best we well, can. I had an email from uh, a woman earlier this morning. Yesterday, she got a letter from the bank saying her mortgage is going up by 100 per month. Like, and, yeah. and she literally hasn't got it. So something's yeah, got to suffer to pay that, right? It's a really challenging situation, and unfortunately, it's one that's beyond our remit as a charity. Uh, we advocate strongly that government needs to support people in, in these kind of situations. Where we find our best level of support from is if people have limited income and they need to spend a bigger percentage of their income yeah. paying their rent or paying their mortgage to stay in their homes. Yeah. Where we can help them out with is we can help them out with food support, with vouchers to pay for goods they need. Uh, with energy vouchers, you know, with help with their utility bills, so that they can actually put a little bit more of their limited income to keep the roof over their heads. But you, but your but your source of helping them isn't unlimited, is it? It's not a bottomless pit. No, it's not. It, it, it's we're we're depending on people who are doing fairly well at the moment who have good solid incomes and you know don't have any big concerns to help us to help those who, who have the big difficulties. And it's all during the situation. I was just reading the story of Frederick Osnum, who founded St. Vincent de Paul back in Paris in 1844. And he found it based on exactly that gap, the haves and have-nots, people who were in absolute squalor and poverty versus people who were doing exceptionally well. 
And it's strange that 180 or 90 years later, the situation hasn't really changed. We're in a different environment, but you have the same issues. I know, and you, and you have to wonder whether or not the state is actually playing a more, uh, as, as big a role as they should be with regards to helping people in need, because it must be a very upsetting thing having to reach out now, having never had to before, you know? It's really difficult. I mean, as I say, some people have done it many times before, and it, it doesn't bother them to be able to pick up the phone and say, look, I need a bit of help again. But the big call we're always making, I've said it on your programme before, is that people who, who genuinely need your help and who have never needed it before, to make that first phone call, people can often literally go hungry for weeks because they're afraid to make that call. They don't want to feel the need to turn to, to a charity. Why? Is it, our, is our it shame or embarrassment? It, it is shame as they feel that, that they should be able to provide for their families. But what we always say is anyone can have a bad patch. Any one of us is probably only three paychecks away from serious problems. If you think about it, mm. you know, if, 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 if you had no pay coming in for a month, you get over. Two months, you're starting to feel it. After three months you're in serious trouble, mm. no matter what level you're at. Yeah, yeah. So we would say to people, you know, in their hour of need, pick up the phone and talk to us. We will help them out. And in in times in the future when things are better for them, they could probably be in the situation to help out others. But yet we hear of the utility companies making obscene profits. And this morning, I don't have the exact figure, but I nearly crashed the car when I heard the profits that Bank of Ireland have posted in the last 12 months. It's It's sickening. Yeah, it is. Look, there seems to be a very unequal share of wealth in the world. It's, it's again, something at a level way beyond us. We, we, we try to just stay out of the politics and stay out of the national stuff and just focus purely on what needs are there in front of us in our region. So do you, you, you stay... Regard f- the background and how we can help them. Yeah, so you stay focused on your mission. You are not distracted, say, by a lot of disquiet nationally. Yesterday it was a conversation we had with many people regarding the close on one billion that the state has spent, for instance, with regards to people fleeing war. And yet they felt that for many, many years the Irish state would never find a billion to help Irish people who were in need. Do you, you don't get involved in that kind of a conversation? It's not really a conversation, you know, for, for us to get involved in because I mean, you become politicised and we want to stay clear of that and just focus on what needs are out there in front of us now. We, we advocate strongly for those in need and advocate to government on pre-budget submissions and regular press statements and that, asking for support. You know, one of the things we, we, we advocated very strongly for is better support for primary school children for school books. We, we advocate that very strongly and we can't say that we can take credit for it happening, but it is happening this year because a number of groups, including ourselves, are looking for it and the Minister has actually provided the funds for that. Mm. That's a small but significant step. Mm. But there are lots of other things that could and should be done. So I mean, uh, Housing is, is, is a massive area and I mean, from a personal point of view, it, it just bemuses me as to why more houses can't be built. Yeah, but they 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 certainly say that they're going to build more and more. Never do, but they were very quick off the blocks with modular homes when needed. But you don't get involved in that conversation, as you say, because no, it's we can't. Political. Yeah, if, if you yeah. start dividing people on the basis of origin or creed or culture or whatever, then I think you're going down the slippery. I know, but you know, it's frustrating. All needs. Yeah, all needs. But it's frustrating. Then, in an email this morning from somebody whose pension or parent is being reassessed by revenue to see if they still meet the requirements for the benefits that they're getting. Yeah. Uh, you know that's that's just that's just wrong. You know it's wrong. And then at the other end of the scale, I suppose there are still kids going to school hungry, right? There are certainly kids in in, in serious difficulties, yeah. And a lot of the school meals programs help them out through the school system. Uh, so you're in need of help from those that have and are willing to share. Then 
Absolutely, we're always fundraising to kind of work ahead. Now we're okay in the summer period. We, we, you know, we've good reserves at the minute. But we would see obviously the food poverty issue, the energy issues will probably come to a, a point again back in in October, they November will. as the colder weather comes. Yeah, in. yeah. So we're working ahead, and we're asking people who can help us out to maybe donate and contribute to to the funds. And for those who are in trouble, not be afraid to pick up the phone and ask for help. Okay, and if people wanted to. Uh, donate. Are you talking about cash, is it? They can donate cash. They can go onto our website, scp.ie, and, and you know choose the region, Southwest and Cork, or even whatever parish they want to donate to. Okay. And they can donate that way, or they can visit our shops. They can support any of our fundraising campaigns. We, like we'll have a golf classic in late August, and we'll have our annual car draw then in September, October. So there are a couple of big fundraisers. And obviously, in, in the run up to Christmas, we do a massive, massive fundraising campaign. So any of those ways that people can and wish to, to help us out, we'd be grateful for. Good stuff. Okay, I'll give out those details again before the end of the programme. Thanks, Jerry. as always. Appreciate the update. You're very welcome. Thank you. Although me. it is not good news, but they are there to meet the needs of people if you pick up the phone or indeed check them out online. I have some different numbers. I'll do it now, actually, just uh, for the matter. 21 427 The St. Vincent de Paul in Cork is 21 427 Pick up the phone. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel embarrassed. You're not alone and they're not a judgmental service. They're just there to help. Uh, so it's 021 427 Let me stay with the phone lines, actually. Colin, uh, morning. I saw your text coming in earlier on. Good morning to you. Good morning, Neil. And this Neil is back to a text that I had earlier on with regards to, I don't have the text here because I read it out earlier on, but the gist of it was um, elderly people and pensioners being uh, checked on, being sent letters looking for PPS numbers and all sorts of things and NPRN numbers from the electricity bill to see if they're making more money than they should be or something, was it? That's correct, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like somebody said to me years ago, do you know what he said? There's a cull going on in this country. And I thought he was only joking about all the people. Like, um, and like... The more I think about it, I think the more he's right. What did he mean by that? Like, old old people aren't being looked after like they should really be. Um, We're we're kind of thrown on the scrap heap. I'm from a generation that remembers, uh, look, you have to tighten your belt. A famous politician said, you have to tighten your belt and the good times will come. And other, other politicians beside him said that. And unfortunately, Neil, the good times never came for us anyway. Yeah. When when he meant the good times will come, is that when you retire, is it? Well, uh, that the economy will turn around and you'll be looked after then. I remember being on a tax march in, in Dublin and in Cork. I remember being on water protests and thank God that worked. But unfortunately, the tax marches never really worked you know um it's it's just it's not a country for honest people it's it not a country isn't. for honest people okay that yes. that's what is that yeah. that you're better off being dishonest is it or a, or a liar or a welfare cheat or a, a scrounger or what oh indeed indeed yeah yeah there's no two ways about that you know yeah, but, the, the, but who'd want to be that way, though? Like, that's, that's not well, a nice I way to a, live your life, constantly on the bum or constantly checking what you can get for nothing. It's a miserable life, isn't it? 
Well, to me it would be, Neil. But then again, I worked all my life. You know, and, and proud to work all my life. But unfortunately, you know, when, when you come to a certain age and you expect a better, you know, a, good, a reasonably good standard of living, mm. it's not there. I, and then when I heard that this morning that they were going after uh, pensioners again, I said, for God's sake, like, it's the honest people they're going after again. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like, you know, Neil. On another subject. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Morris. I just like to say to Morris, he spoke so so well about his addiction. And Lawrence, really, my I, apologies, Lawrence. Oh, sorry, yeah. Lawrence. No, your grand. Lawrence, Sounds sorry. very similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wish him the very best of luck. Okay. Do you do you he feel really was an he was an inspiration? Sorry. Good luck to him. Do you feel as as you get older that you become more invisible? Oh God, very much so. Very much so. Right. We we my my wife unfortunately had to go to the Mercy A and E. Uh, I think it was Sunday week. I'm not positive of that. And like we weren't the only ones, but there was others there, and they were waiting ten, eleven hours. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is shocking. Yeah. That is absolutely shocking. Yeah. Well, without a doubt, we're invisible. I mean, you can walk into town in an afternoon, evening, whereas before you'd see a lot of older people walking around town and saluting each other, doing pana, as we used to call it. Yeah. You don't see that now. You see them going in early in the morning yeah. and getting out before 11 or 12. Sad, isn't it? Because they're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid, Neil, yeah. 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 It is sad. And yeah. then when, when I heard you talking to Lawrence there earlier on and the chap after him, it brought back a little bit of faith that maybe if people keep on knocking on the door, maybe the government might do something for these people, you know? Mm, mm. All right, appreciate the call. Thanks for that. I suppose when you say do something about it for these people, it's to do with the rehab and treatment, I think. Let me just thank you for that. Appreciate it, Colin. I'm going to talk to Dermot, if you don't mind. Dermot O'Shukru, because um, people are getting more and more liens now from the bank with increases in mortgages, and it's seven since last June. Uh, Dermot, good morning. Good morning. Uh, did, you want, you? did you want to pick up on, on people who literally can't find the money? for mortgage increases? Uh, yeah, well, you see, everything is a contract, whether you buy a car or whether you buy a house or you take out a loan on a bank. And if circumstances changed, under uh, contract law, you can uh, go to the lender and explain your situation. And if you're missing 100 euros because the interest rates are going up mm. and you haven't got it, you write to them and you say, uh, this, uh, this is the most I can pay you. Uh, you, that gives the bank or the mortgage people two choices. They can opt for uh, extending your period of time. So if you had a 20-year mortgage, you extend it out to, uh, say, 25 years. And if it's a 25 years, does it extend it to 30? Well, there's half of Europe. There's 90-year mortgages. So what's the problem? Okay, so, I mean, <laughs> so let's, say, let's say you do get onto the bank. Will they do that? Ah, they'll fight tooth and nail. But you see, if you write a letter, it's, people don't understand. The only thing that commercial world understands is a written letter. 
There's no point in emailing them. They understand a written letter sent by post, mm. not registered, just yeah. by post, and you can get a receipt. And then they have to respond back. And then from that, you basically you're saying, look, the contract has to change. That's it. And uh, you will do your best to pay this amount. Now, needless to say, there are certain mortgage companies which were um, not very nice, like Start, when they were around in a Belgium crowd, I can't remember their name, and they would bring down people from Northern Ireland and evict you forcefully. Mm. I, I know of a few evictions like that. But the normal banks don't do that. They will facilitate. Now, they do start getting stroppy if you reduce it by uh, 50% or something. Then they'll try and bring you to court. But in court, you can say, I am performing on the contract because it doesn't. the contract doesn't say that you are not performing, well, you see, they will say you're not performing. You're not performing if you're not paying the full mortgage. It is a contract. No, yeah. Yeah. no, no, that isn't the contract. The, the contract law says if circumstances change dramatically, you are able to change the contract. That's the whole oh, point no, of I, contract listen, law. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take this call and, and advice from you if it helps people to try that as an option. Don't get me wrong. And I well, would it love did it work for quite a lot of people in the past. Okay. Um, and are, you, are, you in a, are you in a movement called Sovereign Irish Movement, is it? That's correct. Um, what, 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 what do you stand for? Well, basically sovereignty, and sovereignty is uh, where we are the, we are higher than the government, we are higher than the court system. Everybody in Ireland is sovereign, whether they like it or not. It's like, if you're black, you're black, if you're white, you're white, you know, like you can't change it. Mm. So, all Irish are sovereign. People get mixed up with the UK, where it's a sovereign royal family, and everybody else there is a subject, which means a slave. But do you have a do you have a goal, or is it a movement to get to some thing or somewhere or some place? Well, it doesn't have to go anywhere. It's if you're born as a sovereign, you are higher than the government. The government is there to be our servants, not to rule over us. That's However, true. And when we get, we give them that job every time we re-elect them to go to the doll, represent us, do right by us. So wh- that's correct. Yeah. Now, are you suggesting that, they don't do that? Is it? Oh yeah. What they set up to stop us uh, advising people was a set up maps. Now, maps would tell you basically do the same thing, but they would then get you to sign another contract that, if for some reason you had to change it again. Now, you might change it to go back up to pay what you originally paid because maybe you got overtime or whatever. Um, or you might have to go back down for some reason because maybe your car broke down and you got to sort the car out so you can get to work. Uh, then you broke this new contract and then they would say, oh, because you broke this new contract, blah, 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 you can be evicted. So that was to help out the banks. It wasn't to help out the people. So MAPS is not your friend. That I can tell you. I know. You can't, be, you can't be making wide sweeping statements like that. They've helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people in debt. They helped a lot of people. Yeah, we know. Yeah. But they once are, you sign that new contract... No, they, are, they are your friends. They are your friend. Well, be, sometimes. Be kind. Be I, kind. I mean, I'm not taking from I'll the work. I'm not, take, I'm not taking... All right. Thanks for that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, dear. But don't be taken from the good work of others in spite of the fact that you do good work yourself. Uh, text 0868104106. Can I leave you on a positive note, if you don't mind? Because good things are happening as well, particularly inside in our city. Jim, good morning. 
Hey, how are you, boy? I'm right, kid. What you see? Yeah, just uh, uh, we're involved in it too. Just that uh, you know, with all the doom and gloom around the city, there are there are people out there trying to get the city looking good and nice, including the corporation. But um, I was recently the last couple of weeks here. We've been doing the project in Peters and Pauls. Right. Because uh, you know that's the church there in by Paul Street. Yeah. And you might you might know our lady's garden there. You see a statue of our lady there is is is, is there in the park. You know. Oh, it's just around the corner, closer to Paul Street, is it? That's the one, you know, that was an overgrown garden for a long time. And, yeah. But, um, you know, it's, that's all after being done up there now. It's all after being planted. All voluntary work, you know. Um, so hopefully we'll have a lovely city garden there now on that corner for the summer. Is that open so, to the public? Well, you can look through the fence. I suppose the, the parochial house is in there too. If you yeah. wanted to get a, yeah. a mask out or something, you could certainly walk in there. And were they, were they um, short of a few, Bob, that they couldn't do up their own garden or what? I don't know, she like, you know, um, it's, it's just people getting interested, Neil. I know, I know, you know, but you know, the way the churches are gone, every parish has to survive, you know, there's no more central bank from Rome. If, uh, it, if, it, if, if a church doesn't survive, you know, it closes. But, true, and, and God but, knows we see an awful lot of them close during the day now. It's unfortunate, like, but that's the way well, it is. Well, there's other reasons for that. But, that's true, you know, that's what I mean. It's true. It's, I mean, Paul, she has been terrible with the... The crowd is hanging around the place. I won't go into half the things they're doing. So you've managed but, uh, to... You, you did all of that in what, play, what period of time? I think we were about three weeks at it. There's a lovely lady, Margaret, after looking after a retired lady. And there was a couple of guys from Blarney last week there for the weekend. People might have seen it with barrels and stuff. But it looks it's beautiful now. Excellent. And it's uh, Excellent. So something for the summer for the city. OK, we'll all know? go in and check it out. Well done. A great achievement to all the volunteers involved. You amongst them. Nice one, Jim. Wish I had more well, time. All right, out of time. Mind yourself. A 200 euro gift card to be spent at Sound Store every day this week and your chance to win a Robomore, one of the Gardena robotic lawnmowers on tomorrow's programme. So just very quickly before I go, you need to identify the robot and the film both of them robot and film please caller 9 and every caller thereafter until somebody gets it right pick up the phone 0818104106 here it is life don't talk to me about life alright mate lines open text sorry call 0818104106 for all of the business you can text 0868104106 have a good day I'll see you tomorrow. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Just jumping back in. Actually, just listen to that promo for breakfast. If I didn't know what they were doing, which was eating Marmite, I think that they were doing something entirely different. But anyway, that's for another day. Just jumping in again because the phone lines will keep ringing otherwise. Veronica, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Where are you listening? Ballet of your hand. I'm in the middle of Paul Street at the moment. Oh, fair play to you. are on the move. Okay, have you a garden in the back? Yes, we have, yeah. Who cuts the grass? Not me, and you, that's for sure. <laughs> so whoever it is, they might be lucky enough to win one of our robotic lawnmowers tomorrow. You can give it to whoever cuts the grass and they can retire from cutting the grass. But anyway, listen, just identify this. We need the um, the actual robot and the film, please, for a €200 Euro gift card for Soundstore. Have a listen. Life. Don't talk to me about life. What do you think? Marvin from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, Marvin, the paranoid android from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well done. A 200 euro Thanks gift card me. for you. Spend it on whatever you want. Sound Store, Sarsfield Road, Blackpool Shopping Centre and Market Green in Middleton. Have a good day in town, all right? And you too. Thanks a lot. Bye, Veronica. Take care. Yeah. Definitely back in the morning. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.